Well, we might be a right bunch of cunts, but we're here to talk jibberfish, aren't we, Dom? Yep, we're here to talk jibberfish for as long as my internet holds it. <laughs> and uh, just because it's been a while, we thought we'd actually sit back and take a look at something we both watched while uh, we're taking a break from recording podcasts, and that was The the Boys, Season 3. Um, I don't yeah, think we've uh, talked much about it. We did do an episode about Season 2 when that came out, but yeah, it's been kind of all quiet for a long while, and then we all, yep. got it all saved up. And we were delivered a fucking glorious season of television, the likes of which we will not see again until season four shows up, I assume. Yeah. And there's a lot of talk about this being the final season and stuff like that, but there's still more shit to come from the comics. So I don't think the comics have finished, or I think the comics might have come back. So there's still plenty of shit for them to cover. Although, actually, in talking about this show with a few friends of mine at work who have been reading the comics, we are like so far deviated from the comic book storyline. You can't really use that as a measuring stick, but yeah. roughly estimated, you know what we have touched on story wise. I'd say season four might be the finale, and based on what I know of, like the the final end game of the books, I'd say you can get another season out of it. Based on where we are currently, uh, yeah, I'd say so. I don't think after season three. Not that it was, you know, rude or shocking or anything like that, but when you take big swings like that, <laughs> I think season four needs to wrap it up. Not for, not to stop it trying, you know, top itself or anything like that, just because what else can you do with something like that? Yeah. The marker that I'm using as, like, what the end game of the, the books was versus where the show is now, um, Homelander or certain characters are helping Homelander have set things in motion that lead to what I think of as the end of the comic book. Especially in the last episode, uh, with a certain character visiting the home of a certain member of government. Um, I think that is a setup for what happens, uh, maybe in this universe, because there's supposed to be deviations between comic book and the TV show, but I think that what we're seeing here now is the start of the, the end game for the boys. And uh, yeah, we, just first of all, if you haven't seen the show, go do that. Uh, we are going to spoil the boys all the episodes with uh, little regard, obviously, the entire season one and two as well. Should be considered spoiler territory from here on out. Um, I'd highly recommend the show. I fucking love it. Um, how about you, Dom? Yeah, I'd, as someone who who likes uh, comic books, it's, it's no surprise if you listen to this podcast. But if you don't, it's no surprise that I really, really fucking love uh, comics. And the boys was kind of unique in the sense that it showed up at the right time for me. Because, like most of us, uh, I went and saw all the MCU films, and then when it finished with Endgame, I was kind of, you know what, I'm kind of kind of a bit burnt out on superheroes. And then I think it was my older brother, my oldest brother, who was telling me, have you watched this on Amazon? Give it a go. And it kind of kicked that in the ass, because it's, it's a superhero show in the sense that there's superheroes in it. There's no good guys fighting bad guys. It's quite literally just a bunch of cunts fighting each other. Yeah. There are superpowered characters. Superheroes are a far stretch, though. Yeah. Yeah. I, I will say as well, right now, having ranted and raved about the show for the last two or three years and banging on about how great it is, it's so much fun to see people go, I'll give it a go now. My Both of my brothers have just started the show and are like, this is really good. I'm like, yes. <laughs> if only someone had to be telling you for the past two years. Yeah. Mm. It's the same with uh, my my older brother. He, I watched season one, and it was one of those just kind of oh, it, it's another 
Amazon Prime show, and I think at that stage uh, he was watching another show on Amazon called The Tick, which is another really, really good uh, superhero-style show, but they cut that short. Cancelled it unfairly, so I think that might have influenced why I didn't watch it, but it was a case of I watched season one, then when I started watching season two, it was a, uh, he started watching episodes with me, and it was like, okay, I, I can get into this. Yeah. And it's like you said, I think the fact that there's superheroes in it brings in one crowd, but the fact that there's also these, you know, pretty damn good characters in it. Yeah. I think that brings in a whole other uh, side of people. And I say, like, the, the best viewers for the show are people who are just a little bit burned out on goody two shoes, uh, upright standing citizen characters that, you know, will do no wrong. Um, this is where you come to relax with a, a couple beers and laugh as people get blown to fucking pieces. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I'd say, uh, season, I just every time a season this show finishes, I'm like, there's no way they'll let them make another season. Like, there's no way the money yeah. people at Amazon are like, you know what, let's roll those dice again. Let's see if we can slip this one past the sensors. Yeah, and the fucking amazing thing about season three is on episode four or three or four of season three, they were like, yeah, you're getting a season four. So it's clear, it's clear that Amazon realized that this makes money. People love it. They're going to keep. Are they going to let it continue? And like what they did with uh, Preacher, letting it continue to a logical conclusion is probably better than just saying, well, you tried, uh, you're not getting any more. Yeah. And uh, I yeah, appreciate that. I mean, I suppose having you know the world's largest company behind you, or one of the large, world's largest companies behind the funding of all this makes it a little easier. Yeah. you got that Bezos money flying around, you might as well make a couple of seasons, get your money's worth. Yeah. It's actually scary that a company that Jeff Bezos owns is making a TV show like The Boys because he has enough money to put something like this into action. <laughs> like, There's also a tweet that I've seen uh, run about the time that The Boys season three started. It was talking about, is it, or someone saying, is it any wonder that a company owned by a bald trillionaire is making two separate TV shows about a dickhead Superman? <laughs> And at that point, was he not also scary jacked? Like, yeah, he got yoked for no reason. <laughs> Pesos was huge for like six months. No one knew why. And he starts going, you know, getting interested in uh, these superheroes. Uh-oh. <laughs> yeah. Hey, buddy, uh, slow down there. Let's, uh, let's calm things down. I mean, but, it, would make too much, it would make too much sense. Like, he's on, he's... What's his, com- his space company? Uh, SpaceX. SpaceX, right? He's sending people to the moon. He has the money. No, but that's to Elon Musk. One. Yeah, that's Elon Musk. Well, what, I think he, Jeff Bezos, was you know paying to take people to the moon or some shit like that, or he was booked on one of the first commercial flights. If he started going up there more frequently and just you know happens to build some kind of biodomes where he can do his uh, do his research unimpeded by the laws of Earth, <laughs> what could become a reality? And he would enough, he would have enough money to you know make his own Avengers, make his own fucking Justice League. Uh, then have them and fight then, and ruin Cincinnati. Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, Bezos' space company, by the way, is Blue Origin. Blue Origin. Yes. Brought to you by <laughs> horrific human rights violations. <laughs> the dude is two steps away from becoming a supervillain. Right. Let's get into the season and uh, starting with episode one. We begin episode one with uh, red carpet footage and film footage of Dawn of the Seven, the Justice League parody. Uh, now, filming for this was cut short in season two by the outing of Stormfront as a Nazi. Uh, which leads yep. to Stormfront being recast by Charlie Theron. Yeah, I thought that was 
absolutely fucking genius. <laughs> of, of all the people, you're like, huh, she she could get away with that. Yeah, if she was going to be a Nazi character. <laughs> yeah. One of the no few one would be pissed off about it. Yeah. Um, I mean, just the whole Snyder Cut, uh, like the gags about the Snyder Cut from the red carpet scenes, uh, and then like the actual references from the Dawn of the Seven footage are fantastic. Yeah. Um, one of the key things about the boys that they always do right is that they know their source material, or like not only the comic books, but like the stuff they're taking the piss out of as well. Yeah, they they know what's what superhero shit is going on right now, and I'm surprised they've not taken more hot shots at Marvel. There probably are some in there that went over my head. But yeah, the first episode takes some heavy swings at the Snyder Cut. <laughs> and apparently, by the way, uh, there was a, a roundtable uh, cut, or like a roundtable discussion of the, the episode after it came out. Uh, Snyder knows about all this, by the way. He's up for it. He thinks it's funny as hell. Which yeah, I'm probably. just absolutely, I'm, I'm so happy about that. Apparently, uh, there's connections between producers of The Boys and then producers of like Snyder's films. So there's like a bit of conversation back and forth. And he was like, yeah, both thumbs up, go for it, it's funny as hell. He he watches the show and loves it, apparently. Like, okay, that makes me really happy. Yeah, it's probably a good thing, because you don't want... I guarantee if they say, took a took a, a stab at Marvel, if they ever do... Uh, if there's a character in the comics called Tech Knight, if he ever shows up, I think he's been hinted at a couple of times in the, the series, if he ever shows up, I guarantee Marvel are going to threaten legal action, because he's basically just a piss-take of Iron Man with a bit of Batman in there as well. I think I saw some like uh, like Wikipedia articles or something like that for the boys saying that the, the Tech Knight character has been used up, but it was renamed probably to avoid that issue. Yeah. But uh, yeah, there, um, also everything down to like the colour correction for the Snyder Cut, because um, obviously Snyder has that very kind of uh, desaturated, slightly kind of CPR style of all his shooting yeah, for the, stuff. Yeah, the greyed out look. Yeah. And uh, seeing that, in the boys, when you compare it to their normal costumes, is really fun. Uh, although, fun fact, um, I have I was watching this on my laptop, and it switched halfway through because we're watching it at night. It switched from the normal view to the the care the eye care view that I have set up for Windows. So at nine o'clock, it switches over to a slightly like yellow hued thing. So I can occasionally see the entire show of the boys with the Snyder uh, special effects. You get a Snyder filler. I get the Snyder filler. It's it's actually quite handy. <laughs> But, yeah, I think uh, I've got something like that on my PC as well, but it just turns blue because I had the same thing with yet another uh, Amazon Prime property, uh, Legend of Vox Machina. All right, yeah. I'm sitting, I'm sitting watching the end fight of second episode with uh, Grog against Brimsleith, and all of a sudden he just started looking bright blue. I'm, the fuck is this? <laughs> then I realised that my nighttime settings on. Uh, I also just at one point I noticed that um, like during the the showing of the Dawn of the Seven, we pull out. <laughs> to see, uh, like Homelander watching the show, watching himself in the movie, <laughs> just angry Homelander, just not really giving a shit. Because uh, obviously at this point, Homelander is a bit of a wreck after the outing yeah. of Stormfront, uh, his ex fuck buddy as a Nazi, and it just tanking his career as a professional superhero. Yeah. After the the initial kind of movie scenes, uh, we go to the after party of uh, Dawn of the Seven, and. Dom, do you have any notes on that scene at all? Anything for Termite? Oh, Jesus. I had to, <laughs> I had to look away. I had to turn it off at one point when they jumped in, into the giant dick hole. I was like, nope, this is just <laughs> too much. And actually, looking back at it, I think that probably wasn't even the worst death that happened this season. <laughs> or the worst 
the worst part of the season, but the behind the scenes footage for that on a uh, episode one, they built thirty foot tall dickhole and <laughs> a set on a sound stage wherever Amazon make their shows. See, knowing that it's thirty Practical feet tall, effects, people. <laughs> knowing that it's thirty or twenty feet tall makes me wonder who had to do the math. <laughs> Just sitting there measuring. Just sitting there, your there standard. <laughs> Couple bits of paper, pens and pencils out. No, 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 no. If he's going to shrink into this size, it means to, he has to be at least this size, which means that the hole has to be this size. <laughs> <laughs> I also had to stop it. That's off to the poor intern that had to make those uh, measurements. <laughs> I also had to stop it because I was laughing too hard. I was fucking crying. <laughs> so it was so far gone. There's a point where, like, you just you go too far with a joke. And I'm like, immediately, this is funnier than it ever should have been. <laughs> uh, I was crying with the goddamn termite scene. And yet, it, it, like, it hits a certain reaction because it does involve the dick. Every guy watching that just went, oh, hmm. Yeah, just the, kind of, the cross legs, just, no, can't deal with this. <laughs> Not the pee pee hole. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I say, uh, this is... Uh, the, <laughs> this is another one of the boys' underground operations gone horribly wrong. We find out that uh, while Huey is up doing the kind of corporate anti-hero work, the boys are back doing what they do best, which is just, you know, kind of basically CIA bag work, where they just yeah. grab heroes that are acting up and then throw them back of a van and are never heard from again. Uh, we then have Homelander kind of... I, I noticed that Homelander, like, doing his routine of going from, like, normal, calm, mild sociopathy to just being a complete bitch to other characters is just the best. Yeah. <laughs> he has just this, like, level of control over himself where he's obviously trained himself to realise, hey, you're too powerful. If you decide to really go for it, you can kill anyone in any room. So you need to behave yourself to a certain level. But these little bits come out where he just takes little digs at people just to make himself feel better or to let out a little bit of steam. Yeah. I think, I don't know if it's in episode one or episode two, but he has a pot, uh, A-Train, <laughs> yeah. him, and, him, and the, him and the deep start kicking the shit out of each other and then he goes and breaks it up he helps deep up off the ground and he just looks at Adrian and says get up off those useless fucking legs <laughs> it was uh, for me it was in the scene he's he, he sees uh, A-Train is eating something some like uh, like frothy cappuccino like Starbucks crap and uh, he's just like oh hey you got the, the extra whipped cream on that the extra caramel for that you fat fuck <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah Homelander just... uh, for lack of a better phrase, just doesn't give a fuck this season. Some of the shit that he says to the other cast is just, again, stuff that you would never get away with in any other TV show. I mean, my personal favourite was, has your brain been fucked by stupid? <laughs> and for the record... He says to, says to Ashley, the CEO, who, I'm just going to say it, is one of the worst characters in the show. That's saying something. I, I, I was saying, like, a, a bad character as in she's a bad character or, like, the actress is bad, or are we, what are we going for here? No. Excellently acted. Yeah. But she's a piece of shit character. <laughs> okay, that's where I was at the well, because I'm like, Ashley's... I hate seeing her. <laughs> but seeing her on screen, you're like, okay, you're, you're good. You're really, really good. <laughs> oh, yeah. It, no one in the series puts in a bad performance. Yeah. Uh, everyone's just properly swinging for the fences, but uh, Ashley's a piece of shit. <laughs> In the same way that Homelander has a complete disturbing control over himself that it's just a spawn from self-awareness, Ashley can't help herself. She's so full of nervous survival energy. She's just a 
trauma victim just walking around just trying to survive to the next day so she can maybe make a bit more money. And I yep. wonder what her line is going to be at a certain point because I feel like at some point she either has to die or leave. And I think she'll die before she runs away and says, no, I can't deal with this anymore. Yeah, I don't think it's going to be Homeland or anybody killing her. I think she's going to have a heart attack. Like She's just going to die and <laughs> some kind of stress-induced heart attack and then Homelander's probably going to get an excellent line just going, what the fuck did you do that for? He's going to have some absolute shit headline like that. So, uh, speaking of unnatural levels of control, Stan Edgar is back. Portrayed by Juan Carlo Esposito. It's always a pleasure to see Giancarlo in anything, but in this, he's he's always been portrayed as kind of a the the, the puppet master, for lack of a better word. He's always in the background pulling strings. And even when you don't physically see him, you know his influence can be felt somewhere. And he does that expertly throughout the seasons that you can actually see him in, or the episodes this season that you can see him in. Yeah. He is kind of missing for most of this season. I think he leaves at, like, episode four. And in, in yeah. world, it makes sense why he's not there. But at the same time, like, could we just have whole seasons of him just monologuing? That'd be great. <laughs> yeah, I want to see his Although boardroom he, activities. You know, yeah, he's not there, but you can tell that he's still manipulating strings somewhere. Yeah, and as uh, we'll talk about in later episodes, specifically the finale, he's definitely manipulating something. He's back there. Yeah, um, the big scene for this one is him and Homelander, him Homelander and Starlight having a sit down to discuss Starlight becoming a co-captain, and he's clearly doing it just to fuck with Homelander. Yeah. There, there is like a there, kind of bring him, un, bring him to heal almost. Yeah, and you can see like his explanation of it is really good. Like, hey, you're on the you're on the downturn because of things that you were associated with. Here is a perfect and pure person we can use to boost your ratings, but also help the company. So do what I tell you to. I fucking pay you and own you people. <laughs> yes. Get fucked. <laughs> but the uh, there's a scene with uh, Jim Beaver, uh, like Robert Singer, the the political candidate. Is just so much fun because uh, you know supernatural fan, and you just love the scenes where two people are just they, they dispense with the nonsense of like okay, this is the public side of uh, the discussions that we have, and this is the private. This is how we make money, you know. When they're discussing uh, the temp V and how much they like, hey, this is a chemical we developed gives you temporary super soldiers. It's a temporary thing, so you need to keep buying more stock. You need to buy, I don't know, to have a battalion. Let's say thirty thousand doses a month. <laughs> Annual cost to the U.S. government, oh, a couple trillion. You know, yeah. What? I mean, or you could not have super soldiers. Up to you. Die like regular people. <laughs> and uh, yeah, also we start to realize that Queen Maeve is now maybe not helping the boys as much, but she is starting to associate with them more as she realizes she needs to get away from Homelander. Yeah, it's not a case that. She wants to help them. She just doesn't like Homelander enough to want to stick with him. So she's jumping over to help the boys, yeah, so that she can get what she wants. But for the entire time that her and Billy are on, st- uh, Billy Butcher are on like the set together, just flipping each other off. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they do not like each other at all. It's kind of fucking funny. Um, also, we find out that the the nine eleven footage that they have, or I I, I, I am associating it with nine eleven, uh, the the airplane footage. Um, is like a key part of holding Homelander hostage. That's where Homelander and Queen Maeve went to uh, try and save a plane during a terrorist attack. 
only to find out that they'd fucked it completely and resulted in crashing and killing everyone on board, including children who they were asked to take out to, you know, to save, but they didn't save the children or anyone because if anyone survived, everyone would find out they'd left everyone else to die. Um, we also find out that the Deep is kind of responsible for this because he helped retrieve the phone from the bottom of the ocean. Yeah. Oh, and... Uh, it's also pretty cool to find out that uh, Homelander knows all of this and is is aware of it throughout most of the, the series and just lets it happen because it's not going to hurt him. Yeah. <laughs> I, I can kill every one of you with a thought. <laughs> oh no, you have video footage of me. I will murder everyone. <laughs> Uh, also, we find that Stormfront survived the finale of season two, and is still offering yeah, that... encouragement to Homelander. Yeah, but but too much encouragement. I did not need to see that come that scene that you're alluding to. I didn't need to see that at all. Yeah, that was a hard no for me. <laughs> yeah, just ew. Uh, episode two, I think I just first note. Turns out a lot of people have access to the nine eleven footage. <laughs> there's like three or four characters and I'm pretty sure one of them is like a Vought CEO that's like oh this can't get out we're fucked <laughs> uh, we find out that Homelander is basically plotting to grind Starlight down into just like as a co-captain he's going to just take every opportunity to abuse her and just try and get her to quit in a way and because he knows the ins and outs of Vought's PR system because you know he's the puppet that uh, Stan mm. Edgar made, he actually knows a lot about how to basically fucking ruin Starlight's career or make her so miserable she walks out herself. And I find that really interesting because here we have Superman, who's also kind of a PR genius. We also yeah. have... Oh, sorry, when you go. Yeah, he, he, I get what you're saying. He knows how to manipulate the system and taking someone... I think it was more the... See, I didn't really see that he was just going to try and grind her down as if to get her out of the way. She's going to, I'm going to make you fall to my level and see that this whole goody two-shoes act of yours is complete bullshit. That's possible, yeah. I just assumed that when he was being a dick, it's like, okay, what's my angle here? Get her to quit. Uh, rather than, I mean, the exposing, I don't think Homander can think that way. I think he's just like, I'm going to bully you until you kill yourself. That's yeah. my interpretation of Homander rather than I will drag you down to my life. I don't think Homander has that type of moral intelligence, I guess. Yeah, yeah, I suppose that's probably a better way to look at it. Because his 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 uh, goal is just I want to be the leader of everything. I want Vought to be at my heel. I want the Seven to be at my beck and call. And I can't do that if you're in here trying to screw me over. So I'm just going to... I can't kill you because then, you know, makes me look bad for killing the most loved superhero in America. So I'm just going to grind you down. Yeah. Uh, we have uh, scenes where Butcher goes to confront uh, Soldier Boy's accomplice, Gunpowder. Now, uh, I think we actually talked about this for episode one, but they find out that there is a weapon associated with a former superhero by the name of Soldier Boy, who is yep. uh, at one point just assumed to be captured by the Russians or lost forever. He may have died, we don't really know. It's all part of a weird CIA operation. But... Um, Butcher believes that this weapon is the key to defeating Homelander, so that's the kind of his goal for the season is acquire the weapon, point it at Homelander, make Homelander go bye bye. So he starts hunting down people who knew Soldier Boy and people who might know anything about this weapon. He hunts down a guy called Gunpowder, who is the best NRA spokesperson I've ever seen in my entire life. Yeah. 
Uh, we see that... I always uh, find it funny when they make superheroes whose superpowers, they're really good with guns. You've got super <laughs> strength and stuff, but yeah, you you can shoot a pistol like no one else. Well, actually, I, I find the, the scene where they, they show off his uh, ability to do trick shots really cool, because he basically bounces bullets off of uh, like four or five surfaces, which, if you think about the trajectory of all the surfaces he shoots it off of, having the ability to know that and work it out in your head is actually kind of a superpower. But the superpower is unfortunately math. Yeah, uh, it's like Cyclops no, from okay. X Men. One of his superpowers is he can use uh, eye beams, but he can also figure angles perfectly. Yeah, he's good at maths, and he has eye beams. Uh, so A Train is also trying to make a comeback. He's trying to basically tap into his black heritage, realizing that you know there's not really a lot of Af- African American representation as part of the Seven. He says he's going to be the voice of uh, Black America on the Seven and uh, kind of help lead the way for social causes, which. Based on when this must have been written and filmed, is there obviously a kind of, I guess, reaction to the death of George Floyd and the rise of the BLM movement, uh, to mm. the point where actually later in the show, people are chanting Black Lives Matter, which I found was interesting. Um, yeah. I really, um, th- there's a lot of stuff going on with his character where he is, uh, like, trying to Africanize himself rather than just be a kind of corporate sellout. But yeah. everything he does is just seen as corporate sellout. Uh, black activism, which is like, hmm, very interesting. Oh, uh, we find out that Vought is going to try and lean into this just a little bit, uh, because Ashley uh, thinks that they can try and make a bit of money off this. However, their plan to do it is one of the most fucked up things I've seen <laughs> in the show, and it's the reveal of a video game uh, by Vought, which is interesting that Vought owns like the PlayStation 5 in this world. Yeah. But they reveal a video game about the Middle Passage, which is the ship, uh, the shipping of African slaves to America, and the idea that that would somehow make a video game, kind of like based on Assassin's Creed, but that would somehow be a selling point, is it's based on the African experience traveling to America as a slave. It's like so deeply fucked. The idea that that would come from like corporate America and be like, no, this is good. This is what people want. But- Oh man, I could see that happening. That's the worst part of all this. I can see it fucking happening. Yeah. Uh, we also get a trip to Vaultland, or uh, one of the old Soldier Boy exhibitions in Vaultland, which kind of seems very, very based on the Captain America tributes or the the Bucky Barnes memorial from the early Captain America films. Yeah, I actually thought that was pretty cool. F a bit fucked up because you know, we, obviously, America thinks the Soldier Boy is. You know, literally Captain America, but when you find out what you know about him, it's just kind of don't really. I wouldn't really want that. Yeah, kicking around. <laughs> the uh, I, I think it's a bit like having a shrine at Harvey Weinstein. It's just uh, you might want to. Uh, but that's I, I, what I like about the show is that the especially Soldier Boy. And it's a note I've got later on is that when you see his character as portrayed in films and in TV shows and in like public appearances. It's that whole public face versus the, the horrible truth reality of uh, like big personalities, TV stars and all that, that, you know, behind closed doors, they're a completely different person. You don't really know these people. And it turns out to be that, you know, Soldier Boy is a horrific fucking person. But at the same time, uh, you get shrines to these people because they're popular, they're famous, they're important in some way. Very interesting. And, uh, oh yeah, we find out that one of his teammates... Crimson Countess has been singing a eulogy to Soldier Boy for the last 20 years, five days a week. Yeah. 
again, very fucked up when you consider when you find out their backstory. And then she has this dumbass song about chimps not crying. <laughs> I was trying to find the name for that for the notices on. I couldn't remember it. Um, Crimson yeah. Counts, by the way, is played I think by... It's like... actually called Chimps Don't Cry. Yeah, I think Crimson... Chimps Don't Cry is probably the right one. But uh, Crimson Countess is played by Laurie Holden from The Walking Dead. And she shows up in various bits and pieces on TV nowadays. And I'm like, I can't, I can never remember exactly who she is. So I have to write it down every time I see her. But oh, yeah, it's her from Walking Dead. I, I think I say, like, the, there's the Captain America parody, the whole thing. And then Crimson Countess, um, just just a, a wee bit kind of uh, <laughs> messed up uh, with her scenes later on. But the main thing I got from this is um, this whole thing of there's uh, the masks or the, like, the people walking around in these, uh, like, suits. Uh, the Soldier Boy Memorial, uh, that have got yeah. like the big, it's like a big mascot head that they've got on. And at one point, Crimson Counts is fleeing from the boys and members that are like uh, <laughs> running away or that are trying to chase her down. And she, yeah. we find out her superpowers to basically just turn them into piles of meat. I don't. Yeah, think... she throws fireballs essentially. <laughs> fireballs that somehow just turn you into like value pack things of meat, just all Aye. over the floor. And, uh, yeah, there's, like, a weird shot of, like, a, a victim, like, one of the people in the park, like, it gets hit. And then, like, the head of the uh, the mascot outfit lands, and then the real head rolls out. <laughs> <You're> yeah. Like, oh! <laughs> but it's just one of those jokes that you're like, okay, that was that was funny, but fucked up at the same time. <laughs> yeah. I think I could describe the entire season. Like, that was funny, but I feel bad for laughing at it. <laughs> like, oh! <laughs> Ooh, shouldn't have made me laugh at that. Uh, <laughs> you dirty bastards. Um... Yeah, this is, uh, I, I think they're doing, at this point I was like, okay, they're doing a really good job of teasing Soldier Boy, they're just building him more and more into the show, or showing that he's been a part of the world we just haven't seen yet. And uh, yeah, I think that we're doing one, uh, oh yeah, there's a note from, from like Mother's Milk, um, who has been kind of absent, because the season three is set a year after season two, mm-hmm. and he was trying to just get out of the, the boys' uh, kind of sphere of influence, particularly like Billy. I think Butcher and Mother's Book have like the worst relationship possible, where yeah. it's just like we need to work together, but we kind of really should fucking hate each other. Yeah. You, you kind of get the sense that if they continue doing what they're doing, one of them is going to end up killing the other, and it's going to be biblical. Yeah. Uh, during all this, we find out that Stormfront is actually done being alive. Uh, she bit yeah. off her own tongue, I think it was? I think so, yeah. And uh, Homelander finds this out on television. Like they're, I think they're doing press coverage for the fact that uh, Starlight's being named co-captain. And they're, oh, and, uh, we've so, just... Is it not they do? Homelander has this big kind of birthday fucking special. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they're, they're doing the rehearsal like, lines for probably that. cheesy, super sweet 16 bullshit thing or episodes that they have on MTV or used to have on MTV. I, I thought it was kind of like uh, it was like really patriotic. Th- it was kind of set up to look like kind of like the roast of like the roast of Homelander, but at the same time he would never allow that to happen. So it's just this big yeah. pageant show of like everybody coming in and like suck his dick a little bit. Yeah, it was basically just gonna. I'm gonna be instead of roasting me, I'm just gonna have everyone here, you know, tell me how great I am. Oh, and uh, there's and a- then that then they catch up after letting the mask drop and just going on this. Fairly fucking epic tirade saying that, you know, he is the world's saviour and Vought's executives just want to fuck you over and make sure that... Oh, you're talking you know, about you're Homelander's big kind of speech thing. of, uh, yeah, like, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm better than all of you. Like, fuck yourself. 
<laughs> I'm done playing to the peasants. I am a fucking god. You will worship yeah. the ground I walk on, or you will fuck off. And you're like, oh, <laughs> shit. <laughs> you just had that bottled up inside. Okay, no one is safe. Run. Yeah. <laughs> Although I did laugh. There was a joke. It was a little like reference in there uh, by Ashley, who refers to uh, Stormfront as million dollar babying herself. <laughs> you're like, oh my god, that's fucked up. <laughs> And they're trying what's, to kind of what's use, a million dollar baby? It's a movie where a like a woman boxer is like she's in the ring fighting like the, the title fight of her life, and then she slips, falls, and smashes her neck into a stool that's just at the side of the ring, and becomes paralyzed from the waist down, and then oh, kills right. herself. Like again, biting off the tongue. I think it's uh, oh, okay. who was it? It's um, it was Kirst- uh, not Kirsten Stewart. Fuck, uh, Kirsten Dunst, uh, was in that role. Uh, which I thought was interesting. Maybe that's. I don't think it's supposed to be a Spider Man reference. I think it's more of a million dollar baby reference. But just was like, oh, Kirsten Dunst, that's her movie. Um, yeah, it was. It was, she was Kirsten Dunst. I want to say so. But you know what fucking doesn't matter. You have to talk about the boys, not million dollar baby. No, I, I'm here now. We're, we're doing this. <laughs> All right, okay. Uh, oh, Hillary Swank there. I don't think that was her. Uh, oh, for fuck's sake. No, it was Hillary Swank, not million dollar. Okay, my bad. <laughs> no. We then have another showdown between Butcher and Gunpowder, uh, only this time Butcher's taking V24, a temporary superhero drug, and it allows him to beat Gunpowder to death and then laser him in half with his eyes. Yeah, that was a, that was a pretty fucked up scene. And it's one of those scenes that the boys does so well where any other show would stop five or six hits before the boys did. The boys gives every last punch and then says, more violence, you know? Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I, the one thing that really kind of like, oh, shit, like, it, it was part of the show, so we know that Butcher was going to get laser eyes, but there's something so fucked up about the fact that he has the same power as uh, Homelander. Yeah. Yeah. I thought, I said, I'm moderate. Uh, in the comics, the all the boys already have superpowers. They take the almost immediately within the first couple of issues. Because uh, they don't, in the comics, they don't have Mother's Milk saying, you know, we don't need to be souped. Because he is a soup in the comics, so they all take their superpowers. So I always knew that they were going to do something like that. Yeah. And give some of them powers, but... I, do, have, I actually like that uh, they waited that long to actually do the, the them having superpowers. Because it, it obviously gives you the first couple of seasons where everything's kind of low, low power. You have to, like, mm-hmm. problem solve, like, <laughs> killing uh, the, the invisible guy. Oh, he's technically got like diamond plated skin. How do we defeat that? Shove a, shove a ball up his ass. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I think it's as well, like with this season being about a division in the boys, having it be the ethical issue of how do we square away being super powered ourselves if we're hunting down and killing all the superheroes? Or if we, we're fighting for a world free of superheroes, is it okay for us to use the superpowers to achieve that goal? Yeah. It's a good argument for them to have. Yeah, it's a, a moral dichotomy that they that they have, but they've kind of. I don't know if they'll continue using the the V and the, the V twenty four in the next season. We'll need to wait and see. Or they might just go full blown. Fuck it, let's take regular strength V. <laughs> I'll just go for it. Uh, yeah. We then have episode three. Um, we have uh, Butcher coming down from V twenty four in the middle of the Colonel's flashback. The Colonel's explaining yeah. uh, one of the last operations she did with uh, the CIA. 
only to have Butcher interrupt her to throw up in a sink. <laughs> yeah. And I love that he has to try and explain to Ryan, no, 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 daddy's, or, you know, uh, I'm fine, I'm fine, daddy's not that hurt, uh, just, uh, you know, don't don't go in there. <laughs> it's very, like, bad parenting. Uh, but a major part of the Colonel's flashback is explaining why the ships don't work in the military. They lack discipline, that's all sizzle, stake. You know, they don't actually have what it takes to help the military out. They're just a bunch of, like, pompous superheroes flying around in capes. And I, I really like that there's a guy who can actually fly, Gets he flies up a little bit, gets bombed at the sky by an RPG. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I, I like the, um, the, the whole scene of just the, I guess it's all part of, like, the, the, the wars in, like, South America that the CIA helped fund. Um, like, the rebel attack on that camp and it just being an absolute fucking disaster. <laughs> Everyone, like, there is no guarantee anyone gets out this alive. It is just an all, it's a chaotic firefight. Um, I think we actually get to see uh, young uh, Stan Edgar and Black Noir actually takes his mask off, uh, revealing yeah. the big deviation from the show in which, or between the show and the comic books. Um, which is that in the comic books, Black Noir is a clone of Homelander. Yeah, I think that was the second Black Noir. I think there was an original Black Noir that is a uh, someone completely different. What I was thinking about this was that it could be possible for them to do the the Homelander clone thing, where uh, they actually just ha- bring in another Black Noir because the only people that know that he's dead are within Vought, and it's Vought upper management. I would not be surprised if Homelander replaces the current Black Noir with a clone of himself, the only person he can trust. Well, I say that uh, I was reading something, just looking at the episode list, because it's been a while since I've watched all of them. Uh, they said in, when they confirmed season four, and after they finished uh, writing up this season, they were going to bring Black Noir back, and it was going to be the same actor that played him, but there was going to be a, a replacement or Black Noir. Huh. Interesting. Okay. So, this were guaranteed to see more of Black Noir type <laughs> character. There'll be some combination of the phrase Black Noir, Clone, and Return. <laughs> yeah. I, I imagine having, like, I guess it'll be like the, oh, you could take the piss out of Star Wars. Instead of a jar of Snokes, have a jar of Black Noirs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we get to actually see Soldier Boy um, in, in action, and he is savage. He is the Captain America you wouldn't want to see in a dark alleyway. Um, this is, as a, I say, a Supernatural fan, this is not Dean from Supernatural. This yeah. is a completely different character, and Jensen Ackles nails it. Yeah. I uh, I actually kind of like that kind of, that 70s, 80s, like, misogyny that they kind of slip in there, like, hey, maybe if you smell more, you get yourself a man. I'm like, oh shit. <laughs> oh, we're doing that version of the 80s, okay. Yeah. <laughs> we're doing that version of Captain America, where he lived through all the racist sexism. Yeah, stuff, he, and he still thinks that's how it's done. He's a World War II veteran. He has a certain mindset. Okay, he's not a nice person. <laughs> I'm a big fan of. There's in this episode we start talking about. Uh, we start to do a character called uh, Supersonic, who is taking part in a reality TV show to be one of the new members of the Seven. Uh, after you know the the boys have killed a lot of them. Um, we yeah, then <laughs> a couple of them, and we have this all these like behind the scenes reality TV kind of uh, like producing where it's like okay it needs to be seem real as we make all these decisions in casting and like try and script reality towards the point we want um and it's a lot to do with uh like who is going to be hired as it's like okay do we make a quality character or do we really bring in a quality character we can sell to certain audiences 
or do we upplay uh, kind of minority characters to try and counterbalance any claims that we're not div- ethnically diverse enough? And I'm like, hmm, that's uh, <laughs> very on the nose and a very well-observed point that, you know, if you were trying to do that, if you're trying to make reality TV these days to make someone join a superhero cult, that would be kind of part of the prerequisite if you're doing good PR, is that someone is going to sit there and say, okay, who's, who's the best person we can get in to get ourselves more votes with minority groups? Or to gain more popularity with different minority groups? It's super cynical, and I fucking love it. Yeah, that, that was... That was another kind of weird scene. It's not as quite as bad as the bit in season two where the the blind kind of daredevil guy comes up and says, oh, so you can't see. You hear, you see with your ears. So what happens if then Homelander thunderclaps? <laughs> was that... I thought that was season three for some reason. That was season two. Oh, yeah, because that's, that's after... A, it's so fucked up, but I find that really funny. <laughs> just him being, a, again, Homelander just being a complete dick and then just being like, oh, like this is here's my weird reasoning for being a complete monster. No, please don't do that. Uh, we also get uh, another scene afterwards where the Deep is forced to eat a live octopus, which is kind of hard to watch. Uh, you know, if you've ever seen yeah. mukbang videos of people eating a live octopus, it's fucked up to begin with. Spoiler alert, it's not the weirdest thing he does to an octopus this season. Yeah, uh, that's the thing as well. Is like We know he was turned on by that octopus in particular, and then being forced to eat it, you're like, oh, fuck. <laughs> But as Dom says, it will get worse. <laughs> yep. Uh, season, or episode four, I'd say is probably one of the good episodes for setting up the, the remainder of the season. Um, we revealed a link between Stan Edgar and Congresswoman Newman, who's been kind of in and out of different scenes, uh, rallying support for her like superhero control bills that she's been working on in the background, where like she's like, hey, the boys are, the boys are a problem, but also the soups are a problem. Yeah. Um, <laughs> also... Me being a hidden superhero is a problem. Um, we find out that Stan Edgar's basically been an anonymous benefactor in Guardian since childhood, and he's been funding her way through certain political systems so that Vought can actually have political leverage and use her as a pawn in their kind of broader plans uh, to try and get, say, soups into the military or get certain laws passed. She is uh, Stan Edgar's adopted daughter, in a sense, and he uses that yep. to try and leverage uh, her in Congress. Uh, but of course, there's a there's a very interesting part where they're like, but legally on no paperwork is Stan Edgar's name mentioned for obvious reasons, so no one draws the line there. But Stan's over having dinner every other every other week, you know. And that was, pardon me, that was one of the weirder scenes for me. It's when you're watching Stan Edgar, who is kind of worse than the superheroes in some way, and the, like the sheer nuts on this guy. Because he stares down Homelander several times. Like, it's fucking Tuesday morning. Yeah. Uh, uh, to see him sitting with his adopted granddaughter, just reading books. Yeah. That's, that's chilling. That, that is... Very good scene to humanise a monster. I like it. Yeah. Very fucking... It was, it was really good. Like I said, Giancarlo Esposito can really do nothing wrong. And he just plays villains so goddamn well. And there's, there's talk of, if you play a superhero in anything, there's talk of you joining the MCU. Like, nah, if he used to play another superhero or supervillain, he needs to be Rachel Ghul in a, any kind of Batman reboot. But, and we're, we're not talking about Batman, we're talking about the boys. Uh, I'm not trying to shoehorn Batman talking every episode, but not this one, goddammit. Give him a minute, you'll, you'll forget it eventually. 
<laughs> yeah, I'll find a worker. You wedge that in there somewhere like a battering. <clears throat> right. Uh, we then get one of my favourite parts of the season, which is the parody of the Pepsi commercial with uh, Kendall Jenner, where A-Train's uh, sodas used to solve a riot. That was? Yeah. That was a <clears> joke <throat> about the Pepsi commercial from a couple of years back. <laughs> it's so fucking perfect. You really can't help but cringe. <laughs> like, I thought it was like I didn't know what it was. I thought it was just one of those kind of a piss take of one of those activism adverts. Like you see a woman on the street, you know, be nice to her. All this like one of those kind of really really bad uh, adverts that you see in America. Like, you see this person in the street. They've got the vaccine. What's stopping you? Have you seen the Pepsi commercial? I have not. You're gonna get. I, I don't know who, who the fuck's Kendall Jenner. Did you say? Folks, we're taking a quick commercial break so Dom can actually watch a commercial. It is this... It, honestly, you're going to cringe so fucking hard. <laughs> I'm sending you this right now. <laughs> I googled Ken- Kendall Jenner Pepsi ad and <laughs> the A-Train commercial came up. The deleted pep... Oh, no, that's... There you go, they're the worst 40 seconds of your life. Clearly parodying the... the hippie putting the flower in the rifle there. Yep. And you're like, oh my god. <laughs> this entire advert is the plot line to Scrubs. <laughs> when Elliot acts like a, a manipulator in front of our interviewer, the janitor gives him a tin of juice and that resolves the whole thing. I feel dumber for watching that. <laughs> it's so bad. <laughs> and Pepsi put it out Why? there like, this is how we're going to sell our product for the next five years, folks. And immediately then I was like, what the fuck did you just do? <laughs> This is not the time for your bullshit Pepsi. <laughs> uh, but the, the A-Train version of that video is just fantastic. Uh, when you see it in person, you're like, the, everything about the swagger, the, kind of, the obvious confrontation of like the people as protesters versus cops. <laughs> An idea that one person can get in the middle and solve all of them. A canned beverage is like, oh fucking Christ. <laughs> It was used in the commercial and or for the, the trailer for the season three, and I could not have been happier when I saw the A train just holding it as kind of like cola or whatever it is. <laughs> yeah, it's an energy drink or something like that. Yeah. Um. So, so yeah, that puts that into context, and now that is the worst part of the show and the best part at the same time. So Starlight, in the meantime, is trying to recruit Supersonic to the anti-Homelander party as she's trying to build up a group of superheroes that could maybe take on Homelander or buy a bit of time for the boys to deploy whatever weapon it is that Billy Butcher's trying to find. Only thing is, Supersonic makes the mistake of seizing uh, like a, an argument between Homelander and A-Train. I think it actually was the, the joke about him being fat uh, that we, we mentioned earlier. And Supersonic tries to recruit A-Train to the cause. It will not end well. Yeah. Uh, later in the end, we see Supersonic's body corpse after Homelander tears him to pieces. Um, and I like they don't actually show you him being like battered to death, they just show you the result of just like a, like supersonic in bits, basically on a, on a rooftop. Yeah. They, sh- they show you the piles of meat that used to be supersonic. Yeah, because like Starlight's been the POV for a lot of the Vought scenes, like she's she's new to the world of Vought, so things are explained to her, so they can be explained to us. And then mm. having her just show up and see like her dead childhood friend in bits, you're like, oh shit. <laughs> like, you you don't know what happened, you just know he's dead. And you kind of never want to know what actually happened to make him into that pile of meat. But knowing Homelander, it was... It's probably not something as pedestrian as I punched him a couple of times. Yeah, 
It was excessive. It probably took about half an hour, and he was smiling the entire time. Probably nursing a mild chubby. Um, sp- speaking of nursing a chubby, uh, Kimiko murders a gang of goons uh, with themed dildos representing each of Vought's members of the Seven. And that was fucking hilarious, right? Because <laughs> <laughs> the boys are off to Russia to try and find out where uh, the uh, soldier boy might actually be. And in yeah, order to do that, they don't know it. They don't quite know that it's. Do they know that it's Soldier Boy? They know that. I think they do because they find out that Soldier Boy was captured by the Russians from the Colonel. And yeah, they find and they that he was captured by find, the Russians. Yeah. They want to find Soldier Boy because they think that he has the weapon, or he's a star. Knows what the yeah. weapon is, or something like that. Yeah. So they use uh, Frenchie's former contact. I can't remember what her name is, um, but these uh, Frenchies. Yeah. They use her uh, to try and like crack because she's connected with the Russian mafia. So if anyone knows where that might be. She would uh, have some kind of inkling. They decide to uh, go and ask her for help, but she says, I'll give you a hand, but you're going to owe me a favour, and I'm going to call that favour now. I need this uh, Russian oligarch, this Russian billionaire dead. And uh, yeah, don't care how you do it, just, you know, get him dead within 24 hours. The answer is to send in Kimiko as an assassin. And uh, she improvises an attack on the uh, the oligarch and his, uh, his crew. And uh, yeah, it's fucking hilarious. Following the uh, Kimiko's uh, assassination work, I guess we'll call it. Yeah, call it that. Yeah. Um, the boys find at the location of Soldier Boy's lab, in which they are uh, they then break in and unleash both Soldier Boy and a flying hamster that I fully expect to make a comeback. Do not fuck me on this one. <laughs> if that well, if, it has a name or something like that, if they the, give it a name. If there's not like a mid like the the trailer for season four doesn't at least feature that hamster, I'm gonna be pissed. <laughs> um, Butcher then reveals he's or during the break in Butcher reveals he's been using Compound V, the kind of uh, V twenty four, uh, by <laughs> with the greatest entrance of all time, where he shows up while being strafed by AK forty seven fire, says "Evening cunts," and then lasers a bunch of people in half of his eyes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Huey also reveals he's been using uh, V24 and does what saves Mother's Milk and he turns out he can teleport somehow and obviously we realise we have no idea how people generate their powers or whatever reacts to them but I think it's just I think somebody said it was like based on genetics at some point in the show I can't remember but yeah randomly like it just unlocks your potential in your DNA yeah Um, I actually thought initially he had super speed Uh, it turns out he's because I saw the ripped cast that he comes out of, I assumed he was kind of like ripping out of it and moving at super speed, but it turns out he's actually teleporting and mm. leaving things behind. I, I didn't think that was explained until like another two episodes later. Uh, but throughout this, there's like a firefight in a, in a lab full of Compound V and uh, terrifying hamsters, uh, during which they actually unleash Homelander from his, or not Homelander, they unleash Soldier Boy from his uh, captivity. Mm. Only to have Soldier Boy go nuclear and almost kill Kimiko by blasting her through a fucking solid concrete wall. Soldier Boy then just kind of stomps off into the distance, and the boys are left to kind of retreat back to America with a very bloody Kimiko, who it turns out cannot heal herself anymore. Um, given that she survived gunshots to the head, this is terrifying. Uh, but it does give you the distinct impression that the secret weapon that they've been looking for is actually Soldier Boy and not a gun of some kind. And uh, yeah, I really like this episode. I like the fact they go to another part of uh, the world and reveal that, you know, the boys or uh, the Vought have an impact elsewhere. 
And I was a big fan of the like Russian graffiti that they have, where they show Homelander as a, a tyrant and a just oppressive force overseas. It reminds me a lot of uh, promo art you saw for like season one, where it was graffiti of uh, characters firing laser beams and stuff like that, but done in a very kind of like spray paint style. As a big fan of the, the style of that one. Yeah, and I, and I like that. Uh, outside of America, these guys really are not heroes. They just they're as dickheaded as the guy see them. And they're kind of seen as tyrants all over the place. And I suppose even in season one, you saw that when Homelander lands in Iraq and tells the tells the soldiers to stand down that he's got all this shit. But you're the real heroes. Yeah, you guys are the real heroes. Take a drink every time he says that, you'll be pissed <laughs> within one episode. But uh, speaking of Homelander, now that we're back in a, or back in America, it turns out Stan Edgar has been ousted as CEO of Vought. Uh, after it turns out, you know, uh, Homelander has turned state's evidence against the Vought Corporation, showing that Stan Edgar has done some pretty horrific shit, which, you know, he has. Um, but it turns out that uh, Homelander is going to be named as the interim CEO, or the current, like, head of the company, and is trying to, like, he's trying to talk shit to Stan Edgar. And as Don mentioned, you know, Stan doesn't take that shit lying down. He's Stan the man for a reason. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, yeah, he does not take shit from Homelander in any sense. So, yeah, there's a great scene of dialogue between uh, Anthony Starr just trying to be, like, the kind of preening little shit that he is. And then Stan Edgar being like, I'm going to bury you under this fucking building and no one will find your corpse. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, shit. Okay. <laughs> it's got so much toxic, toxic uh, just kind of, like, two people who've hated each other for so long finally getting to tell each other, I fucking hate your guts. Yeah. So good. There was also a bit that I kind of like that in a, I think it might be an episode one where Butcher and Homelander start talking. Or is that, have I maybe jumped the gun a wee bit? No, I think you're right. I think it's an early part of season three is that there's a, a dialogue between uh, yeah. Butcher and Homelander. Yeah, and they just say, you know what, let's just, let's be men about this. We will meet and we will fucking tear each other apart. But <laughs> it has to be us. Yeah. We can't have any kind of interference out. You'll fight me mano a mano. It's like, well, you're not really a man, are you? You're <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> kind of cheating, you little shit. Yeah, you've got superpowers. I just have a lot of guns and anger issues. Uh, episode 5. Uh, <laughs> in the biggest, uh, the best joke of the season, Vought takes, or the Deep takes over Vought's intelligence team. And. <laughs> yeah, I thought that was fucking brilliant. Give it the one guy who barely knows how to read a book. <laughs> Give him, uh, put him in charge of the entire bots. Was it criminal analyst team? Yeah, these are the guys uh, trying crime analyst team. Yeah, these are the guys trying to triangulate CCTV footage and uh, calls to the cops and try and get superheroes to the scene faster than the cops so they can seal the limelight from you know actual cops. Um, yeah. He then begins after the one of the most embarrassing speeches I guess anyone's ever had to give is that hey guys, I know I've been a part of this team for a decade and spearheaded so many initiatives that I'm basically considered the leader of the team but corporate has decided to go with another uh, option. Welcome the deep. <laughs> 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 and just her being like absolutely ousted and just being told, yeah you can just go sling your hook elsewhere, you're fired, fuck off. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I have it be the deep as well. Like Deep's taking over your job as a, like, a crime analysis genius. <laughs> Uh, it's just like so... within a day he, he fires the entire staff and it's just him 
yeah. running the entire thing. It's him and like three people because his plan as part of his uh, corporate restructuring is that he's going to basically just, if you've ever said a mean thing about Homelander or Vought on social media, you're gone. <laughs> there are like <laughs> three people left. Uh, it's uh, it, it's a very funny joke, and I like that he shows up with cupcakes to deliver all this bad news. He's <laughs> like, yeah. "We're gonna have some changes around here, but I brought baked goods." <laughs> uh, like, one thing that's been going on in the background is uh, the Deep's wife Cassandra shows up from time yeah. to time as like this kind of she's actually sorting his career and his life out for him. I actually really mm. like her. I think she's a very funny character, and it's very kind of. The way it all plays out over the course of the season, it is a great arc for her as being this kind of like, she was picked by the the weird kind of cultish group. Um, can't remember what the exact name of the church is, but she was picked out by a church to be like kind of his rehab wife, and she has been in charge mm-hmm. of him the entire time, and it's just been a fantastic kind of mini arc for the deep and her, because the deep has always been a fuck up, and you realize he's not smart enough to do it all on his own. So having this like <laughs> the powerful woman behind the idiot man is just really fucking funny. <laughs> Although she gets a pretty raw deal towards the end of the season, yeah, yeah, um, that's that's going to be a that's going to be a big plot point in four. I think we're going to see fat uh, the deep next season, <laughs> the deep belly button. <laughs> yeah, uh, we have a train cra- uh, clashing with a local law enforcement hero called Boyhawk, uh, who has been violently yep. detaining uh, people in predominantly black neighborhoods. This is where we mentioned there's a lot of stuff about uh, BLM in the season, and this is where this kind of comes in. Blue Hawk is very obviously a vigilante hero, or he's taking things a little bit too far in the name of, you know, just keeping the streets clean. Uh, eventually, they agree to kind of meet the community and have a sit-down chat and with uh, Ashley there, as doing this kind of vague kind of bullshit, like, can I just get this out of my meeting? Like, I don't really need to be here. I can we speed things up here, you know? <laughs> can, can you guys deal with ethnic racial hate? I have other things to do. <laughs> can you guys deal with this whole racial hate thing a little bit elsewhere? I have, like, a meeting at 12. <laughs> we speed things up. That'd be great. Um, Blue Hawk actually goes out to the like the kind of one of the communities he's been working in, and reads this really half-assed statement and gets into an argument yeah. with the local Black Lives Matter activists, uh, where he ends up fighting community members and ends up uh, fighting uh, Adrian Adrian's cousin or Adrian's brother Nathan, uh, and mm. throwing him halfway across the hallway because Blue Hawk is a superhero, Nathan is not. And uh, Nathan is then crippled from, I think he lands on his neck, or like his neck lands on a chair or something like that. And yeah. he's now crippled from like the waist down. Yeah, he's, I think the next time you see him, you see him in a wheelchair. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's waist down. Yeah, yeah and the, uh, the church that you're thinking of is called the Church of the Collective. Yep, that's the one. The, the creepy ultra-Christian. I've heard some people say it's, um, it's based on uh, Scientology. Based on their ability to yeah. kind of reform people's things and the pick wives and stuff like that, but I'm like, okay, it could be either way, I guess. Um, but yeah, Huey and Starlight uh, start discussing how you know Huey's using Temp B, and he just kind of comes clean and says, "Hey, look, I got this thing. I used it to help out the guys. I had to. I had to save mother's uh, mother's milk." Um, but it's just this long argument of kind of like <laughs> Huey trying to justify himself to Starlight and never really quite making it work. Uh, we also have Butcher and Maeve uh, having a kind of scene together in which they actually bang. Uh, huh, okay, weird weird pair. Um, it, it's weird though because it, it's I mean, not... Don't, don't blame them, but uh, it was it kind of out of nowhere. Yeah. These two because it, it, it's, it's not like a sexy scene either. It's not a lot of fun. It's just like a drunken sad mess. 
<laughs> Nobody's it's walking. Two angry drunk people like, just working something out. <laughs> yeah, like it's not. To, it's nothing to do with either of them or each other. There's no. There's not really been a much of a chemistry there. Like I say, they like almost the first scene flipping each other off, and it's not like a. <laughs> it's not like a, a hidden lust type of thing. It's just kind of like we're both drunk. We're both here. I got a penis. You got a vagina. Let's fuck something out. I guess. Uh, Soldier Boy is back in the United States and uh, goes nuclear on a block of flats in, I think it's New York City. And uh, the media begins yeah, to question. Yeah, uh, media begins to question whether or not Vought can or Vought and the Seven can handle a superpowered terrorist. Uh, Homelander goes on the news to try and kind of sort things out and calm the public down, and uh, <laughs> it doesn't go well. Um, because again, Homelander is like slipping. Like all throughout the season, you get this sense of. We are moments away from watching Homelander just nuke everyone the same way that you know Soldier Boy does. Yeah, the uh, the best way I've heard it is that uh, the cracks start to form, and that you get the shark eyes start appearing where it's got that thousand yard stare, and you can tell that you know something is about to go down if just the slightest thing goes wrong. <laughs> yeah, the shark eyes is a great way to describe it. By the way, I really like that scene, that, yeah. that phrase. We also get a building tension between Mother's Milk and his ex's new partner, Todd. Now, Todd's an interesting guy. Todd's a piece of shit. <laughs> he's a piece of shit. He starts off as being this kind of annoying, like, the annoying step uh, stepfather. And you're kind of like, yeah. okay, you're just kind of a bit of a dick. But, yeah, not that bad. And he gradually shifts from that to being like an alt-right asshole. <laughs> you're like, okay, <laughs> we're doing this for the character. Interesting. Although it does build to the point where I say Todd is just a fucking asshole, you, it builds over the point, like over the course of the season, and it just it's in little interactions that they have together and how uh, Todd is raising uh, Mother's Milk's kid. But you get to the point where you would actively cheer Mother's Milk throwing Todd down a flight of stairs into a pack of rabid dogs. Fucking hate Todd. <laughs> yeah. And again, nothing to do with the actor. Actor does a great job being a piece of shit. But fuck that character. Uh, this is also the episode where we meet the legend, who is a big-time Hollywood producer who has made Vought heroes into household names back in the day, and used that as an opportunity to stick his cock in everything that moved. Seriously, this man has a list of things uh, that he has fucked, and half of it is uh, are millionaire celebrities. He's kind of like a very fucked-up mix of like Stan Lee and Harvey Weinstein. Although one thing I do like about his character is he has uh, most of his scenes are in his home. And he has this, like, every room he has is covered in all these photos and posters and props from his career that is, like, I guarantee you somewhere there is a YouTube video breaking down little bits and pieces and trying to tie it to earlier scenes in the movies. You back with us, Dom? Yeah, I just got a massive <laughs> burst of words there. Yeah. Yeah, I thought, man, it was going to cut out there. It's ah, right. probably not far away from it. I was explaining uh, that this is where we meet the legend. Yeah. A very fucked up combo of Stan Lee and Harvey Weinstein. Yeah. <laughs> a very, very fucked up combo. Of... That's actually... <laughs> I've just heard that it was... Uh, the one allegory that I heard was that it was a... A piss of one of those fixer guys back in the day. You yeah. know, if you wanted something done, this guy would do it. But here not being described as Stan Lee meets Harvey Weinstein is... Because I initially saw it's that... appropriate. That... I saw that they were doing it, and it was saying, "Oh, it's kind of it's the it's the boys' version of Stan Lee, but that means he's a bad person." <laughs> yeah. But then every story he has 
in like he's in like two or three episodes this season, and it's always about we did this thing, we made a movie, it was pretty good, it was kind of weird, we had to work with these uh, people that weren't that good at the job. This person's a fucking idiot. But I did stick my cock in this woman called Blah. You should go look her up sometime on your fucking phone internet. <laughs> and he's such a great old Hollywood character that I'm like, that is that guy is a total fucking scumbag. When is he getting his own spin-off? <laughs> yeah. We've um, all got a spin-off of him back in the day. <laughs> back in the day, slinging dick. <laughs> yeah. And making horrible movies. I do like that at one point they, they show like some of uh, Soldier Boy's old stuff. And everyone hates it. Soldier Boy hates it. He was embarrassed at the fact that it came out, but he's like, well, it got me laid, so who gives a shit? <laughs> I, I did it for the pussy, what can I say? Um, there is also, I guess, probably the, one of my favourite scenes, actually, for this one is uh, Frenchie and Kimiko are having like a recovery period where like, they're in a hospital uh, <laughs> after the attack with uh, Soldier Boy. And it's just them hanging out, watching old movies together. And I'm like, okay, that's very sweet. And they have this weird kiss where it's not quite right. Like, it, it, it doesn't quite work. Like, it happens. And they're both kind of there. And mm. I'm like, oh, that wasn't what we expected. Huh. Yeah. And I, I like that they do that. Like, I don't need another romantic couple. But having, like, a messy friendship is kind of nice. I'm like, okay, that's, that seems a bit more realistic. Then, you know, everyone who kisses automatically becomes madly in love with each other. Uh, but then in the background, you have Huey and Butcher. Uh, working to try and find Crimson Countess. And that's so that they can use her as a kind of bargaining chip uh, to break the ice with Soldier Boy. So they actually travel back to see uh, Crimson Countess at, I think it's like, it's a chimp sanctuary off of, um, like, where you have the, the, the Vought uh, homeland or whatever it is. But they, I, I could have sworn it was a chimp sanctuary for some reason, because obviously she has the Chimps Don't Cry song. Um, but we yeah, then found I out... I think she... I think she, uh, it was in. She was in the. No, was it? She was. She did live in a chimp sanctuary. Yeah, because that's where she uses all the money from the the vault thing to go and do that. Uh, but then yeah. we find out the other way she makes money, which is as a live sex cam worker. Yeah. For Seth Rogen, and just ah, uh, fuck off, Seth yeah. Rogen. <laughs> I I don't mind Seth Rogen, but I I didn't need to see that much of <laughs> Seth Rogen. I mean, hats out, hats off to you for getting your tits out on that one, but still, no. Nah. <laughs> yeah. Mm-mm, did not need to see that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, Soldier Boy actually does come to find Crimson Countess, because the boys worked out he's hunting down members of his former squad. And then there's a bit of confrontation between Starlight and Huey as well, just because, you know, uh, Huey started using V24 again, despite the fact they've agreed he wouldn't do that. And uh, yeah, Soldier Boy nukes Crimson Countess, and we realise that he's yeah, just uh, that is the, probably the best way to put it. That he uh, has powers of a nuke ship. Yeah, that's like he he himself is a, a super soldier in all the kind of Captain America tropes that you know he's he's faster, stronger, more durable. Uh, he throws on that shield; he can like crack skulls open without even thinking about it. But he also seems to have this weird kind of laser thing going on in his chest. Yeah, this kind of unibeam thing. Yeah, and then that is episode five. Um, they kind of all both start to kind of part ways. Um, we see that uh, Huey is going with uh, Butcher and then Soldier Boy off to do their mission, where they're going to basically hunt down and fight Homander at some point. And then uh, Starlight is going to try and work on her mission to try and like detain Soldier Boy without getting anyone else into danger, because it seems like Butcher is getting a bit reckless. 
which leads us to episode six, which is Hero Orgasm. Now, I gotta say, Amazon did kind of overmarket this episode. I did see a ton of like journal or like I'm gonna put air quotes on journalist here, uh, like articles being written by journalists saying, um, know, it's the most shocking episode of the season, and we can't, uh, you, you know, it, people walked off set being physically sick and uh, not wanting to come out and requesting days off after shooting this episode because it's so controversial. Only for the internet to say, you know what, mate, I've got worse on my hard drive. Uh, gonna say something yeah. spicy, spice it up a little for me. Yeah, it wasn't it wasn't as horrific as the internet made it out to be, specifically Twitter. Twitter was bamming it up something chronic, saying there was cameramen that had to go and take a, a, a couple of sessions of therapy. I was like, it wasn't that bad. <laughs> yeah, I mean... The people I, that were expecting more expected too much. Yeah. I mean, I still busted, but, you know. <laughs> yeah, I mean... Yeah. I, I, I mean, I'm not, yeah, <laughs> it is what it is. Um, there's a lot of stuff in there that's, um, like, the whole episode itself is actually good. First thing that they open up with is A-Train Back to Africa, where they're having this, like, very deliberate, shitty rough draft of, uh, like, a, a possible A-Train story about him going back to Africa and discovering his roots. Uh, <laughs> it's the shittiest thing. To the point where they've actually there's notes on this because it's on Amazon. You've got the IMDb database on this, so they've written extra little notes and information about it from like the producers. And it's like, hey, we mm. actually this is deliberately supposed to be shit. Like you, <laughs> you can see the like A train isn't like keyed out properly. There's like a blue haze around his entire out- outfit, yeah, and his body. And then like all the images are stock footage that actually is all watermarked with the Vault Images trademark. And uh, there's a there's like a timer running off in the corner. It's like a, a basic VFX or something like draft one VFX. And it's just so it looks so low, low effort. And it's just Ashley sitting there going, "Ah, oh, for fuck's sake, you have to make four four episodes of this this year." Fuck. <laughs> She's already fed up, and it's just got the like rough draft of a trailer. Yeah. Uh, we also have Homander's first uh, scene of talking to himself. Trying to big himself up in what is either a great dialogue or monologue, but it's fucking amazing. Uh, I say Anthony Starr has been really good this season. All that, all the actors on the show have been great, but this yeah. is where we say, okay, like, how hard does he have to work to get a fucking Emmy? Yeah, if he, if no one in Boys season three doesn't get an Emmy, then it's the whole system's fucked. Because uh, the scene alone with Homelander talking to himself in the mirror that should have got him it alone. That it's it starts off being you think okay they're gonna kind of do the whole thing of like Gollum from Lord of the Rings and I'd say it's mm. better than that by a long way. Yeah, without a doubt, the showing Homelander fall and just letting him kind of I, I don't want to say have fun with it because it is a mental breakdown, but he he does just kind of have fun with it. Yeah. And do the, shit that no one would say. Yeah, try that. The, uh, the showrunner Eric Kripke is just going yeah fucking try that. Who cares? <laughs> no, who cares that she's yeah, dude, that fits Homelander perfectly, do that. Yeah. And the idea that he comes up with like that he's parts of him have analyzed him as a whole and said the one thing that's left that's making you weak is your humanity. You need to get rid yeah. of that. Don't worry. Yeah, this little <laughs> Yeah, that little party that wants to be loved, get rid of it. Subjugation <laughs> is better than appreciation, my friend. You're like, ooh, this is dark. I like it. Um we then cut to I guess really get onto the point of uh, just the orgy scene. Um, you have obviously two groups of uh, Mother's Milk and uh, Starlight appearing on one mission. Uh, and, uh, Mother's Milk gets uh, covered like a plaster's radio. Um, yep. 
holy fuck. <laughs> I was watching that, right? Because I watched it, uh, I think, uh, like myself and my brother usually watch it at the same time, as we do with mo- most shows. I watched it myself uh, on the on my PC just to kind of, because I've heard, you know, as Colin said, they overmarket the fuck out of us. Like, if this is going to be as bad as it says, I'm going to listen to it with headphones on and watching it. I was like, okay, this isn't. Isn't that bad? It's a it's a really good episode. Herogasm, without a doubt, is the best episode of the season three, and an episode full of, and a season full of just fucking great episodes. Season six, without a doubt, the best. Uh, so then I watched it with my brother when I got back off of work, and uh, usually we watched it about uh, lunchtime. So we went to go and get something. Came back up, or we paused it to go and get lunch. My brother paused it right on the season when Mother Smoke gets covered in the the, the jizz cannon, for lack of a better word. <laughs> Frame perfect, so uh, you, you don't see mother's milk expression, mother's milk, mother's milk's expression. Fucking hell, that's hard to say. But you just see him covered in pictures, <laughs> and we left it on that until we came back in with whatever we were going to have for lunch. Uh, <laughs> I was, I was really hoping you were going to say we paused it, we came back, and as I was eating my yogurt, <laughs> <laughs> just, <laughs> I, I couldn't, I couldn't finish the glass of milk that I poured for myself. You're like, oh, that's a nice jacket as well. Why do you do that? <laughs> <laughs> uh, the fact is he's wearing that again a couple episodes later I wouldn't wear that again yeah he's wearing the exact same jacket but I'd burn that fucking thing <laughs> if it'll burn <laughs> no, I, I mean if that is from a soup it'd probably catch fire and like, a rainbow of different colours <laughs> there's a lot of weird stuff going on in the background uh, I'm a big fan of like Huey trying to casually like Huey is awkward by nature I mean he's the son of Simon Pegg in this universe so naturally yeah. he's very good at being awkward and him trying to navigate through the orgy scene without trying to make a scene is just fucking hysterical. <laughs> it's the scene where he turns on that guy. He's like, no, 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 I think I'll give my asshole a breather. <laughs> yeah, it's the fact that he just says it so casually as well. It's like, no, 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 my, man, my asshole's destroyed. I need to take, oh, a, I need to take a breather. Give me five, bro. <laughs> I mean, in five minutes, absolutely. But uh, if you don't mind. <laughs> yes, just give me a break. Uh, we then get the confrontation between uh, Huey and A-Train in the hallway. Um, and I, I find it really fun. It's just like he's trying to hold back the fact that he's wanted to smash A Train's face in since season one for murdering his girlfriend, yeah. and he could possibly do it. He's jumped up on Temp V. He has a chance, but he's also trying to complete his mission, and he cannot do it. Like he can't start shit in the middle of an orgy. <laughs> um, we also uh, uh, this is where we see uh the deep getting blown by the octopus. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just an octopus it's... on the deep, and you're like, oh, what's it? Oh, oh no. Yeah. Those things it's have bugs. Bad... <laughs> yeah, those things have beaks. It, it, it's bad when you think, right, that's a, that's a horrible, horrible, yet kind of funny joke <laughs> on, you know, how everyone says that Aquaman fucks fish. Yeah. Well, now we have an Aquaman that fucks fish. Um, <laughs> it's that Starlight walks in on him being blown by the octopus. And is like taking a photo of him, and the deep is there with like a, there's like a tentacle on his face. <laughs> he's just like trying to peel the tentacle off. Aye, he, he keeps swatting away, going, "No, not now." Like, <laughs> she's not interested. Like apparently, the, the octopus is trying to get Starlight involved. <laughs> but there's a bunch of different gags about uh, the orgy going on, and uh, it's being hosted by the TNT twins, who were part yeah. of uh, Whole Mother's team back in the day. So that's what. A whole mother's team, uh, Soldier Boy's team back in the day, so that's what Soldier Boy's here to hunt them down and beat the fuck out of them. Only thing is, Homelander shows up 
and we get the first yeah. showdown between Homelander and Soldier Boy, with Butcher and Huey helping to kind of like fight Homelander, and mm. it's a fucking good scene. Yeah, the fight itself is is pretty good, but it's more the the from my mind anyway, it's more the kind of dialogue that goes between them. It's not the disappointed that it's coming to this; it's that Homelander's disappointed in uh, Butcher for getting help. Yeah. And he's like, he's trying to act all arrogant, and then all of a sudden, it's like, oh no, 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 you're now on a level playing field with three other people. You're in trouble. And I, this is one thing that I've always wondered about Homelander is he is a superhero, but he mostly fights non superhero foes. Mm-hmm. With the exception, I mean, we saw in season two where he's fighting the nuclear, uh, the, the radi- radioactive guy in the Middle East. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't really have that situation under control. He wins, but it's kind of lucky. Yeah, he, he wins because uh, he's stupidly powerful. Yeah, and that's one thing I'm quite glad that they kept from the comics. One of the one of Homelander's biggest weaknesses is that he's stupidly strong, but he has almost no training. He he doesn't really know how to throw a punch because he has laser eyes. Yeah, I mean, you see him fight in this; it kind of shows that. Yeah, because for all like Soldier Boy is, he's kind of propped up on PR. He still had to do some of the work. Back in the day. Yeah. He is still a combat veteran. He has been in Russian gulags fighting for his life for the last 30, 40 years. He has some brawling ability and is willing to beat people to death. Homelander, mm. on the other hand, doesn't really have that. And there's that very big difference. Uh, it's the great line of, Are you wearing a cape? Fuck. <laughs> why, yeah. why would you bother with the impracticality of a cape? <laughs> you know, and it, it comes back to fighting the line is, uh, buddy. You think you look strong? You're wearing a cape. <laughs> and again, it's just great Jensen Ackles line delivery of just kind of yeah. absolutely like knife through the knife through butter, just cutting straight to the point and just being like, "Fuck you." <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm a big fan of the scene, and I'm a big fan of the fact that Butcher gets his hits in as well. Because again, Butcher is a former soldier. He is combat trained. He has fighting experience. Part of the CIA. Who knows what the fuck he did back then? But you know, he is yeah. a killer. Uh Soldier Boy's a killer. Homelander, is he up to that task? And it's like, uh, not really. And he's you know kind of lucky to get away with his life. Yeah, you, you can see at that point that uh Homelander is actively shitting himself. Yeah. The the final shot of him like in the in the fight, realizing like he has to get away, and it's like you have a countdown of seconds to get yourself out of the situation, and it's him just straining with all his like might to escape the room that they're fighting in, and it is just an absolute brilliant shot. And it's like you realize that you know Soldier Boy kind of has a bit of control over his uh, his power if he isn't because the previous times he's uh, been triggered into it with a kind of PTSD, but obviously he doesn't know what that means because he's from World War Two. So it's like you mean like shell shock? Yeah, I did like as well. The way he, he just brushes it off completely. It's like man, I don't have shell shock. Go fuck yourself. Yeah, actually, it was interesting that uh, Amazon, uh, the notes again, explained what Shellshock was. If you pause yeah. during that scene, I was like, oh, interesting. Um, yeah, we then have uh, Soldier Boy accidentally setting off his powers again and uh, smashing half the half the mansion that Heroism takes place in. Um, in the aftermath of everyone kind of fleeing the scene, because uh, like a lot of people are dead. I, I think they mentioned it was like 20 people or something like that. Something like that, yeah. Or dead in the aftermath. Um, meanwhile, A-Train finds Bluehawk outside. Uh, <laughs> oh, we also see the Deep running with the octopus in a bag. 
<laughs> in a bag full of water, he just gets in the car and runs away. <laughs> like, come on, no. Uh, but yeah, A-Train confronts Blue Hawk in the aftermath of the orgy, or the, the carnage that ensues, and just flips it, grabs him, and sprints at max speed down the highway, dragging uh, Blue Hawk behind him in re- retaliation for uh, Blue Hawk crippling his brother. Uh, Blue Hawk is left in a bloody smear on the fucking road. <laughs> yeah. And uh, it shows you actually him being basically ground down by the by the road. You know, oh fucking hell! Um, yeah. And a train. That hot. scene was yeah. really really well shot, but kind of hot. I suppose if you're not used to that stuff, it'd be quite hard to watch just watching someone getting ground down by the road. But yeah, it's what happens after that that I find quite fucked up. A train's heart gives out. And yeah. Oh. It, yeah, that is pretty fucked up. But what, what, what happens after that? What were you going with? Uh, well, as you said, to uh, in for, in season one, uh, A Train has been taking more Compound V, trying you know as a drug to kind of boost his powers, that kind of thing. Uh, you find out that that's slowly killing him. I think at the start of season two, you find out that he can't run again, or his heart will give out. Uh, then uh, obviously, in choosing to kill kill a uh, blue hawk, he uses powers again, and that causes him to go into a heart attack. What? Because they had a fresh soup heart. Ready to donate, i.e., Blue Hawks, they just implant uh, a train with imp- Blue Hawks' heart, <laughs> which I found kind of yeah. funny in a way, but very, very fucked up. Like, let's take the guy, the racist piece of shit that you just killed, and use his heart to bring you back to life. And that's it's interesting because I, there's stories about people's personality changing after organ transplants. And it raising raising a bunch of questions, and it's like we don't actually know if anything actually happens, or if it's just a change caused or brought about by having near death experiences. Because you know, if you need an organ transplant, that's kind of a near death experience. So yep. p- people talk a lot about there being changes in personalities after organ transplants, and I noticed A Train doesn't wear his African outfit anymore, where it's the green, the red, the the leopard prints, the, the zebra prints, and stuff like that. It's he's back to blue. And I, thought it was I think it's more that he realizes that he doesn't have to do any gimmicky shit to stay relevant. He can now just stay. He can go back to his blue suit and yeah, just be one of the seven again. Yeah, I, I noticed that. I was, wasn't sure which angle they were going at it from. Like, I wonder if that's what they're going for. Is it you know, A Train just is kind of freaking out that oh fuck, I have a racist heart in me. <laughs> like, yeah, I I as a black man have a racist heart in me. What? Huh? <laughs> yes. how, how does that work? Uh, the episode ends with Starlight giving a live stream on Instagram uh, in the rubble of Herogasm, uh, telling the world that Soldier Boy and Homelander did this, and that Homelander won't win it, but Bot have set all this in motion and they can't be trusted. And uh, that is the end of Herogasm. Which, as you say, in a season packed with great episodes, this is standout. Yeah, without a doubt. I think Part of it was overhyping it, saying, oh, it's going to be the filth- filthiest thing you've ever seen. Then it's like, okay, Herogasm itself was pretty... I mean, was, he... I wouldn't say excessive, but it was kind of out there in terms of, you know, there was, you know, all types of sex happening, but... If you've seen something the, like... The fight uh... and the confrontation with yeah. uh, Homelander, Butcher, and Soldier Boy, and Huey, it kind of just catches you off guard again, because you're thinking, all right, this episode's going to be all about Herogasm, and then it's like, oh, shit, there's some real good story points that happen here. Yeah, I... It happens to be framed around an orgy. <laughs> but at the same time, if you've seen something like Spartacus, I mean, that's no worse or better than that. The orgy scenes in Spartacus were just as kind of depraved. 
and actually kind of more fucked up when you think about it. Because <laughs> nine times out of ten it involves a slave being sexually assaulted by someone they want to kill for personal reasons. And you're like, oh, fuck. But yeah, Herogasm, solid episode. Somewhat overhyped by uh, the internet. Yeah, you definitely overhyped because people expected... People used their own uh, like litmus test for what they consider horrendously fucked up. <laughs> then they just went with, by a typical boardroom standard, this is quite messed up. Yeah. In terms of what we can put on TV, this uh, so episode seven is the fallout of Herogasm, and it's basically just a lot of dialogue between different partners. Um, we also have uh, Frenchie. Uh, it turns out Frenchie was kidnapped uh, along with Kimiko, and they have their escape scene, which I thought was really fucking good. Um, it is just, it's not quite. It's old school Kimiko where she's just savage, where she's just kind of like half animal, half person, like ripping throats out. Yeah, but it did. It, it was a nice reminder. Of, by the way, these people have been off in their own little corner. They've been stuck doing other stuff yeah. while all this has been going. I remember seeing a lot of comments just saying, "If if Kimiko dies, I'm stopping watching them." I, I think I'd be the same. Because yeah, with a show like this where it's all these you know cunts, uh, having Kimiko and Frenchie just be the kind of like the, I don't want to say the heart of the show, but it's, it's the only thing I can really no, I know uh, you mean, think yeah. to call it. But yeah, having them be the the heart of the show and the kind of the grounding of it, it's just, it's, it's quite nice. There's still, you know, one's a, a Wolverine allegory that rips people's faces off, and the other one's a heavily medicated Frenchman. <laughs> Disgusting. I mean, that sounded like I really hate French people. Then, <laughs> a heavily medicated Frenchman. I stop myself vomiting. <laughs> it's just, those two are the closest you get to innocent in this show. Them, yeah. and I, I would say Huey, but this season, a lot of it is, Huey is slipping into Butcher's kind of yeah. gravity well, and other members that have been around Butcher for longer are desperately trying to leave. People like Mother's Milk, Frenchie, and Kimiko all do not want to be around him anymore, because they know what he is. They know he's fucked up. Yeah. And actually, in this episode... But I like that, as far as Huey was pulling to the right, he has kind of centred himself a wee bit. By you know he's he's not on the the V twenty four anymore, and he's uh, I mean Annie kind of gave him the kick in the ass that he needed, but he's he's more realizing that he needs to do things. He can't be as unhinged as Butcher is. Yeah, as I say that that comes towards the end of this after we go uh, deal with some of Butcher's stuff uh, from his childhood. Um, yeah. But first we learn that Maeve is actually being held in the Vault Tower, and is completely unafraid of Homelander. He doesn't yeah. care if she dies anymore. And it's kind of fucking awesome. Like, knowing you're trapped, knowing you're there with the person who will kill you, and just flipping him off the entire time, like, fuck you, fuck you, fuck you, fuck you, is awesome. And it's a great, like, moment of courage that is really understated. Yeah. But why he's being, why she's being kept alive by Homelander is, is pretty... It's pretty bad, even for Homelander. Yeah. Just yeah, if you if you kill yourself or just harvest your eggs, like there's no there's no difference because his like Homelander's arc, if you want to say through this thing, is he just wants people to love him, and he wants a he wants a family because you know he's a megalomaniac and who loves you more than your family? Yeah. So uh, he's Ryan kind of turns his back on him, so he he looks to who else. Loved him at one point, so Maeve is like, yeah, I'll keep Maeve alive, because we would have perfect children. 
Yeah, and I'd say it's actually as much as you know, Maeve loved him at one point, or they f- were faking all of. She is blatantly telling him to his face, "I hate your guts. I can't wait to watch you die. I never loved you. I hated every moment of it." And at that point, he says, "You know what? Fine, I'll use you for you know eggs, and I will I will use our DNA to make the perfect child, and that will go on to rule the world in my stead. I will create a lineage from your corpse." And you're like, "That's." Fucking dark, yeah. On a scale, it's a mix of like, uh, just like abusing power dynamics, but also then just like this weird thing that he's picked up from uh, Stormfront. This weird kind of ethnic thing he's pushing, where you know, uh, soup supremacy, I guess, where you know yeah. he will make a lineage that lasts a thousand years, and you're like, oh shit, uh, <laughs> buddy, that's getting real Nazi-ish real fast. Yeah, it's kind of. It's getting to the point where uh, Homelander is, like I said earlier, he's, the mask is falling, and now what's what is being replaced with is almost kind of a what's the word I'm looking for? It, it's what's what it's being replaced with is almost an even worse version of what everyone thinks he is. Yeah, it's it is all of himself minus humanity, and then this savage bit of himself coming back in to fill that little gap because. He realizes that the humanity, the temptation, the, the the need to save people, is there, and it's just it's slowing him down from being the best like apex predator he could be, and just him leaning into it and realizing, okay, humanity's got to go. It's like, oh no, like here comes the worst parts of him that could possibly exist. But uh, speaking of grappling with his humanity, uh, Butcher's lot to go and meet uh, with uh, a former member of Payback. Is basically putting uh he is put into like a little pocket dimension or he's trapped in his own memories of his mm. abusive childhood. Now I refer to this to a few friends as cover kind of a breather episode between episodes six and seven or six and eight being very intense, with it being the yeah. season finale and all, but then I re- forgot that there was, you know, a horrible aspect of, you know, Butcher's childhood where he's you know, abused by his drunk father and made to fight and drink and stuff like that from a very young age. So Breather maybe isn't the right term, but this is as close as we can get with the boys anyway. Yeah, it's it's as close as a downtime episode as you're ever going to get. Because as Colin alluded to, uh, they tap into Butcher's childhood and it is not a happy one. Uh, a lot of... Uh, what was the t- Toxic masculinity, I guess, would be the perfect phrase. A lot of be a man, like, why are you crying for? You only got shot in the jaw, that kind of shit. Obviously, Butcher doesn't get shot in the jaw, but that's yeah. the kind of... And and the classic the kind of level of shit they're looking for. Yeah, the classic uh, British line of "you don't want to be a poof, do you?" And yeah. I don't think it's going to translate well to American audiences. But the phrase "being a poof" as re- reference to being a gay man is super ubiquitous in the British culture, especially from yeah. like our generation back. It's probably I'd like to hope it's gone by now. You know, for the gay kids growing up and all of a sudden being told they don't be a poof, you know, like that's probably going to leave some scars. For a lot of kids growing up, but yeah, that is that's a phrase you heard a lot growing up. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, yeah, it's it's one of the commitments to Britishness that I actually appreciate from the boys because it's it's obviously an American company and American staff. But Carl Urban is like, I will drag Britishness into this fucking thing if it kills me. <laughs> well, Garth Ennis is Irish. Yeah, I think he's Irish, and uh, the Scott Derrickson, I think he's English. So I'll I'll have a quick Google of that while you uh, give them the rundown of what happens in Butcher's little. In Butcher's Nightmare. Uh, yeah, so in Butcher's Nightmare, you basically just have him reliving scenes of abuse from his childhood and it being hinted at the fact that, you know, 
Butcher was always there to protect his kid brother. And that was always going to be kind of, um, like, that was a key deciding factor for him being who he is and going to join the army to defend people because that's what he does naturally, although it caused him to leave his brother behind. Uh, this uh, accumulates a lot of guilt in him over the years because, in the end, his brother takes his own life and shoots himself with his dad's old pistol. And Butcher doesn't see that, but the wizard, I guess, is enough, uh, he's able to piece together enough bits of uh, Butcher's psyche to put this little scene of like a monologue from his kid brother to Billy and the fucking emotion it rings out of Carl Urban who has spent the entire show being an unflappable badass. Him showing that kind of breakdown of just kind of I would give everything to get my little brother back is heartbreaking in this yeah. scene. But it is a great it's a great scene of a very dark fucked up thing that happened. Yeah, and the fact that he then makes such a point of saying that uh, Huey is the spitting image of uh, Lenny, his brother. Mm. It kind of adds more onto that. And uh, as I was saying, yeah, Garth Ennis is a uh, Northern Irish, who who's one of the authors. The other author is American, Derek, uh, Derek uh, Robertson. Yeah, uh, interesting yeah, enough, it shows on me as Garth Ennis is a Northern Irish American comics writer. So, hmm, hmm. interesting. Wikipedia disagreeing with itself there. I mean, I've heard them do interviews and things like that, and it's very Northern Irish. Oh, right, so he's like an Irish expat to the US. Yeah, he's an Irish expat. I mean, as most comic writers are, none of them live in fucking England. Oh, uh, the only comic writer that still lives in... Or the only comic writers to my knowledge that still live in Britain are... Uh, the guys that do the 40k comics. <laughs> yeah, the guys that do the 40k comics. Grant Morrison and... His name doesn't matter. Again, sidetracked. We're here talking with the boys. <laughs> uh, but all that's put to rest when uh, Soldier Boy beats the fuck out of uh, the wizard. Huey goes to actually catch him and brings him back to uh, Butcher to try and, like, get him to fix what's left in Butcher's head before Butcher dies. Uh, the idea being that if you're stuck with the, the, the power, or if you're being attacked by the Mind Wizard guy, you're stuck there until you dehydrate and die in a couple of days' time. But you'll spend that next couple of days on a loop of your worst nightmares, or with your worst thoughts. Um, so that's, that's a very interesting superpower, and I actually kind of like it in a very fucked up, like, kind of uh, horror, as a horror fan, I really like that idea that you're trapped yeah. with your worst nightmare. Until you like basically piss and shit yourself to death. That's horrific in its own way. Uh, only thing is, uh, Soldier Boy is rampaging through the woods to get back to him and then proceeds to beat uh, <laughs> beat the Mind Wizard guy to death. And I was like, that's fucking savage. He puts a bag over his head and then smashes that head flat. Um, yeah, absolutely brutal death scene and kind of sets everything up for episode eight. Um, so yeah, episode eight for the boys season finale. At this point, it's kind of obviously we're setting up to Homelander versus Soldier Boy, uh, with the last scene of Soldier episode seven being a phone call between Homelander and Soldier Boy, where Soldier Boy reveals that he is in some way Homelander's father due to genetic experiments by Vought back in the day. And there's a lot of uh, obviously the whole scene, the whole season has a lot of deal issues with fatherhood. And uh, raising your kids and, you know, what it actually means to be a father between Mother's Milk and then Billy's trauma. Uh, and then you've got uh, a lot of stuff with Stan Edgar being an adoptive father, but being a monster at the same time, but a different kind mm. of monster. There's a whole lot of issues. Like, the theme of fatherhood has been running through the entire season. And it's all setting up for how does Homelander, someone who desperately needs a family and a father figure, deal with the fact that his adoptive or his genetic father, who was no father figure to him at all, is coming to murder him with the help of the man whose child he stole. 
Yeah. Like, that's a lot to unpack there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, especially on a man whose mental state has been crumbling uh, as the series has progressed. And I, th- I think for Homelander anyway, he's kind of, I think he's already he's seen some kind of retribution coming. But what makes it worse is what you just said, finding out that he is with his, you know, biological father and now about to rain absolute hell on him. Yeah. When you know that that like your father's coming to kill you, you fucked up in some way. Okay. Like this is an honor killing on a certain sense. And uh yeah, there's a whole lot of uh build up between obviously different factions as they kinda of mobilize and go to war. We have probably the, one of the dumbest scenes in the the whole thing is that uh, they, they work out that over the time there's no way to really knock out superheroes because their fast metabolism lets them break down stuff that would knock out humans. This uh, leads to them discovering that they could use Novichok gas, which is a nerve agent used by Russian uh, special forces in assassination mm. attempts. Uh, Novichok gas actually shuts down nerves and leads you, I think it's, it shuts down nerves and leads you basically sh- uh, choking to death trying to breathe. Because your body yep. can't move its diaphragm uh, in, like, normal, like, in real life. That's what happens. It shuts down your, your nervous system. You can't move the diaphragm, can't breathe, and you suffocate to death while being able to, you know, feel everything. Um, this, however, is just a knockout gas for uh, super superheroes in this universe. And uh, they actually find Novichok gas. They put it in. I love this joke that... Um, they have, like, all the superhero fragrances are, like, just cheap plastic shit. And like you put nerve agent in a plastic glass bottle that sells Starlight <laughs> shitty perfume. <laughs> Is it put it in a ten dollar bottle of Starlight's perfume? <laughs> they reply, of, it improves the smell. <laughs> <laughs> it was such a fucking great dig. It's celebrity yeah. perfume, just so unnecessary, so well appreciated. Um, we then also this the thing that got me though is this uh like the boys kind of get back together, kind of. There's a whole like argument about what's going to happen, and it turns out that basically everyone who isn't actually high on V at the time is going to get chucked in a cellar and told to sit down and shut the fuck up. Um, and Butcher, Queen Maeve, and Soldier Boy are going to go off to fight uh, Homelander and kill him. Not knock him out, kill him. Um, the remaining gangs, Mother's Milk, uh, Frenchie, and uh, Starlight, have uh, got the Novichok gas to knock out Soldier Boy so he can't be useful in the fight. Queen Maeve throws a bottle of Novichok gas out the window into New York City. Yeah. And that kill that could kill thousands. Yeah, it probably has. <laughs> and it's not obviously this the episode uh, is at such a pace that that'll never be discovered. But like Queen Maeve will never be held accountable for the fact she probably killed a few thousand people. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like can we address that, please, in next season? Just one little note there of kind of like, hey, wait a minute. <laughs> uh, especially given how the episode's going to turn out with, you know, Queen Maeve dying and all. Um, yeah. Or air quotes dying. Well, dying, yeah. Yeah. So uh, the boys are, the you know, the main superhero team of Butcher, uh, Soldier Boy, and Queen Maeve go to confront Homelander in Vought Tower, uh, where Vought, or where uh, Homelander presents, him, uh, presents Soldier Boy with his grandson, a.k.a. Ryan. Um, who has become a pawn in Homelander's game, or he's always really been a pawn, but, you know, Homelander's back in control of him now. Yeah. Uh, who is quickly becoming the scrappy-do of uh, the boys, because <laughs> he's the kid sidekick that shows up. No one really wanted him. He was there as a plot device. <laughs> now he's a little shit. That's, that is the worst and best metaphor at the same time. Like, fuck you. <laughs> yeah. It's so bad. I love it. 
Um, the other gang break out of the the cell or break out of their uh, their containment of a safe that was in the the building that Butcher was using for the, the headquarters. They're in the flat iron, right? I think yeah, they're in the flat iron building, like the building that was used for the Daily Bugle in Spider Man. Yeah. Um, they then race off to Vault headquarters because there was a chance they could also remake the Novichok gas with Frenchie being high as fuck, uh, and uh, in the Vault laboratories. To um, yeah. <laughs> that's the plan, and everyone goes, "This is the dumbest plan ever." I guess here we go. <laughs> yeah, we don't have another one. <laughs> um, so they all race off to have this big fight at the tower. At which point they realize it's kicked off between Butcher uh, and Homelander, and it is just a very good fight between all them. It's a, for all the like superhero fights we've seen over the years with like big action pieces and stuff, just three or four people just decking the shit out of each other in a room is the most the boys thing I've ever seen. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, I went to see Thor: Love and Thunder last night, and just comparing it to the final fight in the boys because. A few of the people, in fact, all the people that I went to see Thor: Love and Thunder, where they've all seen it, and, and I was just thinking about it on the on the way home. I was just thinking there was this big epic battle at the end of Thor: Love and Thunder when it was all these fancy powers and all this, you know, you know, high coloured bullshit. Then contrast that with the boys, and people just... flying with capes on and hammers being thrown around and droning yeah, shots and, and stuff, and and colour and brightness and all this, you know, high saturation. Then you've got the boys, and it is literally just four. Five, uh, five and six between five and six people just beating the ever-loving crap at each other, shoving fingers and eye sockets, punching each other through walls, like smash each other's yeah, heads into safety cabinets, with metal straws and shit. Just, just, just savage street fighting type of stuff that you expect from the boys, and it's it's yeah. fantastic because it's everything. It keeps building and building and building, and then just brings it down. Did this with season two again as well. When it came down to what decided the fight of uh, like for season two was the girls get it done attitude taking the piss out of Avengers Endgame. And it was just yeah. the three women in superhero costumes kicking the shit out of a fourth woman. <laughs> yeah. Because Quite she's a Nazi. Curb stomping a woman, uh, the, the Nazi. Yeah. <laughs> and it's that, that kind of constant building and just not quite a de-escalation, but the, the aftermath of what happens is much more savage than you think it should be. And they say, like, there's a, a finger goes in Queen Maeve's eye from Homelander, and it's like, oh, fucking hell. Um, yeah. Queen Maeve, I think, gets her own back by stabbing Homelander in the ear with a metal straw. Yeah, with straw. a metal straw. <laughs> I thought that was fucking badass. And then the the whole thing of, like, Huey's arc this season has been learning to, like, trust others rather than try to save everyone himself. He yeah. ramps up the power applied to the lighting in the, the studio that they're fighting in, which I thought was funny, was just them smashing the shit out of a, a news studio, because it's from Vought, it's not really the news. Yeah. <laughs> them just smashing corporate news and all <laughs> And then, like, him just superpowering all the lights to supercharge Starlight so she can smack. Uh, she She's going for uh, Soldier Boy in that one, yeah. Yeah, she's fighting. Everyone's fighting Soldier Boy at this point. Yeah. <laughs> it's a weird turn on itself, but, like, once you see how much uh, damage Soldier Boy is taking, it makes a lot of sense. Like, Homander isn't that much of a threat anymore. Homander's kind yeah. of just off to the side. He's a problem. He has to be dealt with. But right now, we deal with, yeah. Yeah, Soldier Boy, because there's a massive realization that they can de- they know how to deal with Homelander now, or they, like you said, Homelander's not that big a threat because he is, he is kind of a pussy, he is kind of a little bitch. Yeah. Whereas you've got Soldier Boy who has tactics, has training, knows how to fight, and he wants to now take over Vought. Like we need to deal with this guy. 
Yeah, and you've got the fact that Homelander is now holding Ryan much closer as a hostage. So yeah. Butcher would love nothing more than to go all out and end this right now. But he can't because Ryan will get in the way to save his dad, which he does. Ryan actually takes a shot at uh, Soldier Boy and smashes the shit out of him with laser eyes. Was it? Hmm, interesting. Uh, <laughs> but that's one thing I noticed as well, is that all these fights, the people who trying to use laser eyes on Soldier Boy keep getting blocked by that shield. Ryan is the one who lands a blow. Because he was on, he was not expected as a threat. So Soldier Boy didn't really have everything ready to go for him. But yeah, there's a massive fight, and then Soldier Boy decides, fuck this, I'm going nuclear. And uh, in a last-ditch effort to save everyone, Queen Maeve throws herself out the building, carrying a Nuclear supercharging uh, Soldier Boy out the window with her. And that's her heroic sacrifice. I don't know sacrifice. what I love the most about uh, Maeve's heroic sacrifices because there was no, like, there's no, oh man, everyone's going to die. I, I need to do this to save everybody. It's just a, oh, She's annoyed. Fuck. <laughs> it's like, oh, <laughs> I gotta, fucking day. I guess I'm jumping on this grenade. Oh, fuck. Because <laughs> like, she knows Homelander's not going to do it. That Bane bastard's not going to do it. Starlight's not strong enough. Fuck! It's gonna have to be me. <laughs> she just <laughs> runs and tackles him. Yeah, and it's 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 badass. It's really. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. It's her throwing herself at the the, the window with uh with Soldier Boy discharging the nuke halfway down the tower and shredding it to pieces. I am wondering yeah, and the fact that she survives as well. This is yet another yeah fairly badass moment for. Her. Well, the, there's there's a scene of there's a whole uh, moment of uh, the the Vought PR machine says that Queen Maeve died heroically saving New York City from a, a rogue terrorist. And uh, the rogue terror soldier boy has been defeated thanks to the sacrifice of our proudest gay member of the seven. <laughs> they keep ramming that thing that she's gay down your throat all over, and you're like, "Fuck's sake!" <laughs> it's, it's 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 true to life, though. It's if there was a gay superhero and sacrificed herself, she would be the gay superhero who sacrificed herself yeah. rather than her name. She'd have a, she'd have a statue. Yeah, and it'd be like painted rainbow colors. Yeah, <laughs> all year the cape, round. They'd have a cape, and it would be rainbow. Yeah. And it's uh, it's all kind of like hammed up in the media as like the death of a true patriot, and uh, you know all these questions and inquiries to be launched at a later date because right now everybody's just kind of in mourning, and then it just shows uh, Queen Maeve like patching up her fucked up eye <laughs> in in the bathroom, yeah. and it, she actually did survive. She's battered as hell, but she's still yeah. there. And uh, in a great kind of scene, you get this kind of uh, handover. Between the generations of uh, vault women, where Starlight is there to like, hey, are you okay? Can I help you with anything? She's like, you know, when I first met you, you were kind of a piece of shit, and I don't really like you, and uh, fuck yourself. But uh, you know what? You're okay, kid. <laughs> it's what she says to Huey. That fucking funny. It's like you just have raw dog written all over you. Like, <laughs> Please raw dog me. <laughs> and you're like, oh yeah. my god, <laughs> such a little bitch. It's it is such a great put down. <laughs> yeah. And you just just kind of take it in the face and be like, yep, I guess that's the vibe I put out. Fuck. <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it's a great way to end the season, and it does, it raises a lot of questions as to what happens now uh, as Queen Maeve exits uh, with, her, with her girlfriend to go live on a farm somewhere. And it's not yep. a euphemism, she's just not going to be around anymore. Yep. Uh, and I'm not sure how I feel about that. Yeah, I, I like talking a uh... Maeve in the in the series, not because I think she's fucking hot, but she's she's a really good character, and uh, she is that kind of reluctant superhero. That's just kind of oh, fine, I guess. I'll go and save these ungrateful assholes. 
Yeah, I mean, when was the last time you could describe a, a, a good female character as being a better middle-aged woman? Yeah, like alcoholic. That, ca- that character's written... middle-aged woman. Yeah, that character's normally written as just a complete fucking nightmare. With Queen Maeve, it's like, okay, this is just something people go through in yep. middle age. And it's like, hmm, interesting. It was, it was a nice little twist. But with that... But as uh, to where they go next, yeah, fucking I have no idea. Well, actually, let's put a few things in perspective. Uh, you know, Homelander now has possession of Ryan. Uh, Ryan yep. was kind of hidden away on farms elsewhere uh, until then. Uh, the Colonel uh, is now in possession of a knocked-out soldier boy. Uh, Queen Maeve obviously is a way off to live else uh, live out the last of her you know days as a civilian, outside of the nightmare that is the boys. I wouldn't be surprised if she came back for season four. I think they might pull her out. They might pull her out of retirement. Say, yeah, right. We need you to take V again because shit's about to go down. Uh, Kimiko is back on V as you mentioned, uh, because she's now returning to being a superior. She needs to be able to fight Vought. Um, she yeah. says she wants to do it as. I did find it weird that when Huey says he wants to take Compound V to save his family, or to save people he loves, it's like uh, it seems being quite toxic masculinity. But then Kimiko's doing kind of a similar thing, and I saw there was some explanation on Twitter as to why it was different. But I'm like, eh, I don't know. <laughs> you know. If you take it on principle, like yeah, Huey is reacting a bit to kind of being a bit of a, referred to as a little bitch throughout most of the show, but at the same time he does have the honest intention of Saving people. It's not like he's doing it mm. to be, you know, have a bigger dick or something. I did find that a bit odd. But Huey's going to stop taking Compound V. Uh, Kimiko has gone back on Compound V with one of the worst injection scenes ever. That just fucking hurt. Uh, yeah, that. I think it's in episode seven. They give her another yeah. injection. Um, and, oh, and she starts healing because remember, there's a scene earlier where uh, Victoria Newman, when she's a. Uh, when she kind of gets ousted, or they, they, Stan Edgar says that you know there might be a target on my back, she gives her daughter compound V. Yeah, and that was another one of those like ah, that yeah. does not look painful. They they think uh, Homelander is coming for oh, that looks very painful. Yeah. They think yeah. Homelander will come for the Newman family, so yeah. she gives her, her daughter a fighting chance with compound V. And I, actually, with episode seven, I noticed there was I, I felt like there was a Nike sponsorship in that episode, and mm. it was because Huey gets knocked out by somebody. Um, or he falls down, and his Nike shoes are very visible. Yeah. And then in the same episode, as Kimiko's being injected, as she's twisting and like turning, like she's writhing in agony, being injected with Compound V, the Nike symbol is very prominent. <laughs> and I'm yeah. like, did they pay for this? Imagine paying for <laughs> what is essentially to be a product placement in an overdose scene. <laughs> yeah. Very fucking weird, but I guess Nike got the money's worth. I mean, you noticed it, you know? Um, yeah, uh, Kimiko's back on Compound V. Uh, Butcher dabbling with Compound V more than anyone else, the V24, uh, mm-hmm. it's revealed to be causing uh, massive issues with brain hemorrhaging. And he has a sit down with the doctor who explains you've got 12 to 18 months left, which is, again, another reason I think this is like season four is it. Because Butcher will be dead by the end of it. Yeah, most likely, because you don't just shrug off a. <laughs> Brain hemorrhaging and shit like that. Yeah, I think the Starlight finds the the, the notes from a doctor who's like, it's just it's eating holes in their brain, the size yeah. of golf balls. And you're like, oh shit. Um, what else is there? Um, Mother's Milk is reconnected with his daughter, and it 
seems like Todd is no longer in the picture because Todd is away attending Homelander rallies and cheering for the death of people who disagree with Homelander. Yeah. Um, and if that guy gets uh, superpowers, I genuinely look forward to the scene in season four where Mother Smoke beats a living show. Yeah. Um, who else do we have? I think that's pretty much it. I think Starlight and Huey are kind of back as one. Uh, Starlight is now part of the boys. Uh, she's you know she's given up the role of Starlight and now just be Annie, and uh, she's yeah. been invited to join the group. Oh, and uh, it's really awkward between everyone else and Butcher because Butcher did technically plan to betray everyone. Yeah, so, it is weird. Yeah. Very very weird. But so I guess that is it for season eight. Of the boys. I mean, I say like there's a lot of stuff going on here that you can sit and unpack. I I really started to pick up on the theme of fatherhood in this uh, this season. And I gotta say, it's it's really really impressive that they went for all that. They went for like kind of, um, a bigger theme of like not just you know good and evil and the political stuff that they've been using all throughout the show, but to pick on something as intimate as fatherhood for an entire season is interesting. Yeah, and it's especially when like it's it's not really I've not read them, but from what I've seen of the comics, I've not really picked up on that. So them taking a different uh, spin to it. It's pretty good having someone along the lines of Homelander who's had to deal with all this kind of success and being, you know, the world's greatest superhero without anybody to talk to and all that kind of shit. And having basically these lab babies growing up be the best, but still having human problems. So, I guess we already said we recommend the show, but we're going to wait with bated breath for season uh, four. I don't yeah, which think... I think is going to be in about two years' time, I think. Yeah, this rate of production wouldn't be surprised. I'm not going to read the comic books. I don't know about you. No, because there's, there. I think I might read them after this the series finishes because they're they're taking divergent paths. Yeah, and I and I don't think one would necessarily tell me a lot about the other. I think if I started reading the comics, I'm not going to immediately know what's going to happen in the series because they're taking very different routes to get to the end. Do you know we actually skipped an entire plotline? Did we? Yeah. Black Noir. Black Noir has been hallucinating uh, cartoon characters his entire life. They talk to him, it's why he can sit in silence because he has conversations with his weird woodland friends. Also, yeah. Homander because fucking Because of a horrendous mur- brain injury that he suffered. <laughs> yeah. Also, Homander fucking murders Black Noir. We skipped over that entirely. Yeah. You know, shit. Yeah, so episode 8, that happens, and it's fucking heartbreaking. Although you saw it coming a mile away. You saw it happening. Yeah. Just the way that Homander stands talking to Black Noir, you're like, nope, I know where this is going. Okay, this guy's getting punched in the gut. This. We also missed uh, the, the Homander dressing down the surviving members of the Seven and Ashley and basically calling them pieces of shit after killing yeah. Black Noir. Again, one of the funnier scenes in the show, but we, we skipped over it to get the plot points yeah. of who's fighting who. And uh, yeah, I, the character work in this is outstanding. Like, Emmy's all around for any actor involved. The writing has been really good as well. Um, there are yeah. plot points of like you know throwing Novachuk gas out the window. <laughs> I'm like, please address that. <laughs> yeah. That's a war that has, crime. They'll deal with that hopefully next season. You'd yeah. hope that they deal with it. Uh, but yeah, I would highly recommend the boys. Just if you got this far and haven't started watching it, I don't know what you're doing. Um, yeah, my brothers are starting to watch it as well, and I'm like, I've been telling you, it's great for years. <laughs> yeah. So I get watching them experience it all my account, and I can't wait for them to run through season eight and be like, or season three and be like, oh my god, what the hell was that? Yeah. See, what I've found is the people that I've told to start watching The Boys are now coming back to me going, I, I, need, I need more. Three seasons isn't enough. I, I, need, I need season four right now. 
Well, I think that runs it all out. Yep. So until the until the next time we uh, get a chance to sit down and record, I've been Colin Grimm. I've been Tom Anderson. And we've been talking gibberish. Remember. With great power comes the absolute certainty that you'll be a right cunt. <laughs>